The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available Pro-Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available Pro Power onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. I bet you've heard of flat earthers, but have you heard of hollow earthers? They're also a very real group of people who seem to care a lot more about their beliefs than, you know, science. Variations of hollow earth theory propose that our planet is either entirely hollow or contains a substantial interior space, maybe several spaces, multiple worlds within worlds. Notably suggested by Edmund Halley in the late 17th century, the notion has been disproved time and time again by basically the entire scientific community, but that has not stopped people from continuing to believe in it. In this episode, we'll take a look at the mythological origins of the hollow earth theory, including many religions' beliefs that there's some sort of physically reachable underworld. Then we'll head to the 16th and 17th centuries, when some early scientists just beginning to explore and understand the cosmos theorized about the possibility of a hollow earth. We'll touch on some works of subterranean fiction that captivated audiences and fueled hollow earth belief, and we'll get to know several explorers who were determined to journey to the center of the hollow earth. We'll even meet a man who started a cult based in part on some very interesting hollow earth beliefs. It was based in Florida. Of course it was. If the earth is hollow, what's inside? Cryptids? UFOs? Nazis? Do the inner earth inhabitants ever come to the surface and say hello? So many, uh... Interesting possibilities to go over on today's wackadoodle-packed science fiction interpreted as truth-based snake and mole people edition of Time Suck. This is Michael McDonald, and you're listening to Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. Happy Monday, and welcome to the Cult of the Curious Meat Sacks. Do other meat sacks live beneath our feet? Do we live underneath their feet? Shit's going to get so weird today. I'm excited. Um, Dan, I'm Dan Cummins, hollow earth denier, flat earth antagonizer, uh, the suck master, the sock master, the master sucker, soccer, and you are listening to Time Suck. Hail Nimrod, praise Bojangles, glory be to Triple M and Lucifina. I'm still trying to get Lindsay to let you move in with us. 
A sweet Monday suck time suck tumbler in the store at badmagicmerch.com today. Listen to the suck. Wear the suck. Sip from the suck. Cult, cult, cult. Uh, also, thanks to all of you for spreading the suck by slapping time suck stickers all over the place. Uh, makes me so happy to see those show up on the Instagram feed. It's so fucking cool. Uh, hail Nimrod to all of you. Uh, I have picked out this month's charity, uh, and I'm very excited to tell you what it is. I'm, I'm going to announce it in this episode in the Time Sucker updates, and you'll see why when you listen. Get your tissues ready. And, and that's it for today's announcements. Now let's dig down, 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 and find out what may or may not exist beneath our feet. Today, we will try to answer the question, is the earth hollow? It's a hard question to answer. It's going to require a lot of soul searching, a lot of experiments. Uh, I bought a lab coat and a clipboard this past week so that my research would feel more scientific. Uh, I've worn my glasses more often. I've paced back and forth contemplatively more. Uh, I've messed around with beakers, uh, Bunsen burners, rulers, slide rulers, uh, slide whistles, uh, yo-yos, go-karts, all kinds of science stuff. Uh, just kidding. I haven't done any of that stuff. Some of that didn't make any sense. Uh, the rest was unnecessary. I knew the answer in second grade to this question. No! Are you kidding me? Of course the earth is not hollow. The earth being hollow flies in the face of the accumulation of all the knowledge ever obtained through the entire scientific field of geology. The earth is not a giant, hollow, plastic Easter egg waiting for someone to open her up and look inside for cash and prizes. If you have any interest in living in a rational, grounded, science-based life, you already know that the earth is for sure not hollow. But Maybe you don't care about ration, reason. If you frequently believe that you astral project your soul around the galaxy, if you think you lived in the lost city of Atlantis in a previous life, if you think you can telepathically speak with your pets, or if you're in a long-term romantic relationship with a ghost, or think you're a conduit for Lemurian ancients who share eternal wisdom through you, or if you don't get vaccinations because you think that they're part of some kind of evil one-world governmental plot to control and enslave humanity, human race, get off your knees, wake up, sheeple. Well, then fuck it. There is a hollow. Yay, hollow earth, boo, well-documented reasons to refute that silly notion. Uh, I might as well believe that the earth is flat too. It's hollow and it's flat and protected by an army of space dragons or something. Why not? Go all in. Enjoy continuing to indulge indulge in imagination, not limited or constrained by any uh, established scientific principles. Keep believing that you know more than all of the smartest people our planet has produced over the past several centuries. I admire your moxie and I wish I had your confidence. Uh, In all seriousness, I will do my best today to explain just exactly why the Earth can't contain another vast world inside of it. I'll also try to smash my head into my computer out of extreme frustration that many people, way too many people, seem to still truly believe that the Earth is hollow. We're going to dig much further into territory we started to explore way back in episode 8 of Time Suck, recorded in uh, November of 2016, when we touched on all of this uh, a bit, you know, when we talked about John Quincy Adams, the 6th U.S. president, who was for sure open to the idea that the earth was indeed hollow, an idea pushed at the time Adams was alive, mainly by a man named John Cleve Sims. Talk a lot about him today. A man who truly seemed to believe that our earth was indeed hollow and possibly populated by mole people he wanted to trade goods with. Sims' hollow earth theory lay at the intersection of religion, science, fiction, and pseudoscientific discoveries. And I use the term discovery uh, very loosely. Maybe experiments is a better, more apt descriptive term. Failed experiments carried out by conductors uh, who didn't realize their experiments had in fact failed. Several people influenced by these different schools of thought have actually attempted or gone on expeditions to find an entrance to the Earth's hollow interior over the years. They've hoped to descend into the Earth and meet a race of either superhumans or terrible monsters or aliens or, I don't know, sometimes a little bit of everything. What most hollow earthers seem to believe lies beneath this reminds me of our fairly recent Skinwalker Ranch suck. A number of fringy ideas and conspiracies 
brought together into a single, pretty insane, uh, hollow earth narrative. Hollow earth theory, theory, excuse me, encapsulates all kind of an, an all-you-can-eat buffet of wackadoodleness. Like you like Atlantis? Okay, well maybe Atlantis is uh, inside the earth. You have conspiracy theories about Nazi Germany? Maybe uh, Hitler's hiding inside the earth. You believe in aliens? Maybe UFOs come from inside the earth. And I should point out, before I come across as more negative and skeptical than I really am about all this stuff, I am open to believing in some of these concepts. I'm willing to believe that aliens might in fact live inside the earth. Not kidding. But maybe in some kind of like bunkers they've built or something. I don't think it's very likely that they are. I've never come across any evidence, but I'm willing to think it's at least possible. I don't want to come across as a guy who isn't open to anything science hasn't proven or discovered yet. I'm willing to entertain all sorts of interesting uh, possibilities. I'm just not willing to believe that aliens might live inside a gigantic world within our hollow world for reasons I will lay out soon. All right, let's get a little more specific about hollow earth. What exactly do hollow earth believers envision when they imagine the world they posit exists inside our own? Unsurprisingly, just like flat earthers can't all agree on exactly how the earth is flat, hollow earthers can't all agree on exactly how the earth is hollow or what's inside of it, or even how many hollow worlds exist inside of it. Some think we're inside of another planet right now. This shit is so insane. I knew it would be insane when we picked this topic about a month ago. It is way more insane than I thought it would be. Today, prevailing hollow earth theory states that the earth is a hollow shell with its inner surface being much like the outer surface where we live. And on this inner surface, kind of this upside down world, on the other side of the plastic Easter egg shell, uh, oceans, continents, mountain ranges, vast forests, an entire atmosphere full of clouds lit by a miniature sun that warms the inner surface residents and uh, all kinds of stuff. And yes, residents, more on them in a moment. According to this theory, near the North Pole and the South Pole are giant holes that allow travel between the outer and inner worlds. And there are other holes that have been theorized to exist in caves, mountain ranges, other places across the globe, generally much smaller holes. And when you head down one of these holes, you will meet, if some uh, crazy unknown land of the lost hollow earth creature doesn't fucking eat you first, a member of one of the advanced inner earth civilizations that live inside the world. Uh, maybe a Lemurian, perhaps an Agarthan. Agartha seems to be the most agreed, agreed upon civilization to dwell inside the hollow earth, at least since the Atlanteans fled to the surface after some kind of wizard war a couple hundred thousand years ago. I hate that I knew that was a belief long before the research uh, we did for this suck. Uh, And members of this underground civilization, residents of the city of Agartha, much more advanced than we humans. Of course they are. What a fun thing to believe in. Of course the hollow earth is not filled with a bunch of dim-witted cave people. (laughs) No, sorry, Bob. That'd be a bummer to find out that there's a world inside of ours and uh, it's just populated by nothing but monkey people jerking off in trees and throwing their own shit around. No way, there's a bunch of godlike geniuses chilling out inside of our planet They refuse to publicly announce their presence to us for reasons that, uh, well, are kind of hard to understand. It's always something about we're not ready for them or our comparative ignorance disgusts them. We're not spiritually pure enough or something. The people of Agartha, the Agarthans, are believed by hollow earthers to have populated the Earth's surface where we live now millions of years ago. Then they found out that life was better inside the Earth, uh, nicer climate, uh, more tasty plants and stuff. Uh, If you haven't had a hollow Earth peach, you haven't lived. Uh, They moved within, they built a magnificent underground capital city, structuring their own environment and necessities out of some kind of, uh, some kind of magic. Good old old magic. Explaining shit people don't understand uh, since the beginning of humankind's existence. When you don't understand how something works, when you can't logically figure it out, but you still want to believe in it, you can always just say magic. How How do those people get fish and animals and fruit trees and vegetables and an atmosphere to sustain all of that inside the earth? Ha! Magic! 
Okay. Well, how'd they get a tiny sun to fit inside the earth and somehow hide somewhere sometimes so you can have night? <laughs> magic. But no, seriously, where the fuck does the inside sun set? It's magic. Oh, all right. Okay. No need to yell. Uh, I should incorporate this loophole into my life. Maybe raise my kids like that. You know, my kids have to show their work on their math homework at school. Uh, just writing the answer down doesn't cut it. They have to show how they arrived at the answer. I think they should start just only giving the answer. And then in the section where they're supposed to show their work, just write the word magic. Uh, some Agartha believers think that these beings down there, these very smart, very tall uh, beings who live incredibly long lives, they communicate with select earth outer surface dwellers. That's you and me. Uh, sometimes face-to-face, sometimes telepathically. Uh, you're not suffering from delusions and hearing voices because your brain chemicals are out of balance and you're mentally ill. No, no way. Come on. No, you're talking to hollow earth monsters. That's all. Hollow earthers think hollow earth uh, god folk helped the Egyptians build the pyramids. They think there were tunnels that would lead from the pyramids deep underground to Agartha and the pharaohs would walk back and forth from our world to theirs. Bummer we haven't found any of those tunnels. Uh, not even one even though so many people have uh, dedicated their entire adult lives to studying the pyramids. Uh, so who are the people of Agartha talking to right now? The government, of course, but not the government you know, the secret shadow Illuminati government that controls our government, I think. It's not like there's an agreed upon stance uh, there either. How does our government visit with these people? Uh, you know, well, they, uh, they travel into the center of the earth <laughs> through polar openings and secret caves and other things. And why have the rest of us never seen pictures of giant polar openings that lead to the hollow earth? Because it's hidden. Don't worry about it. Why don't Google Earth satellites show the hollow earth openings? Because magic. It's magic camouflage. Can anyone offer more details about these people who used to live on the earth's surface despite the fact that we have literally zero archaeological evidence of that existence? Yes. After a lot of digging, it really was a lot of digging, I found an awesome definitive source, Diane Robbins. She, she, has, she has the answers we're looking for here. I found a source about as good on, as any on the subject. Uh, I found a book called Messages from the Hollow Earth. You can get it on Amazon if you feel like throwing your money away uh, by Diane Robbins. Now, who's Diane Robbins, you may ask? Well, according to dianerobbins.com, she is a light worker. And what is a light worker? <laughs> well, according to me, and we've studied these uh, types of people a lot on the secret suck, the companion to tie suck, uh, time suck, uh, a light worker is a delusional spiritual lunatic. Uh, whose ego needs to believe that they're much more important to humanity than they actually are. Uh, according to happiness.com, however, they are beings who feel an enormous pull towards helping others. Also referred to as crystal babies, indigos, earth angels, and star seeds. These spiritual beings volunteer to act as a beacon for the earth and commit to serving humanity. So super cool. Uh, yeah, they're star seeds, duh. Thanks, happiness.com. You really cleared things up for us all. Diane writes that she serves humanity by sharing her connection to the civilizations of inner earth. She discovered as a young child that she was a telepathic receiver and transmitter for the inner earth terrestrials, cetaceans, crystal kingdom, tree people, and nature kingdoms. I bet her parents were super proud of all of these discoveries. Diane, Diane, are you still interested in playing softball this summer, honey? No, mom. As I've already made it clear, I am only interested in focusing on my telepathic transmissions. To the inner earth terrestrials right now. <laughs> okay, honey. Hey, don't forget to help your uh, brother pick up some dog poop in the yard later today. I will, mom, when I am done transmitting. Uh, Diane writes that she currently communicates with several different ethereal beings, including Mycos, a being currently living in the hollow earth. Uh, guess where Diane lives? Mount Shasta, California. Ding, ding, ding. Of course she does. 
Wackadoodle Central. We learned all about that very interesting place, the belief shared by many residents of Mount Shasta in the National Park Mystery Suck back in March 2019. And Mount Shasta, uh, wow, where no belief is apparently too crazy, where people are waiting right now for the Lemurians, a race of extraterrestrials they think live inside Mount Shasta, to pour out of the hollow earth and reveal themselves. Uh, Where others think they've already come out of the mountain, they go back and forth all the time, we just can't see them because we're vibrating on the wrong frequency. (laughs) They're They're in the third and a half dimension, we're just in the third dimension. Or some shit. Anyway, Diane has been sharing Agarth and Mykos' uh, communications with Earth for quite some time. <laughs> thank thank God. Thank you so much, Diane. Uh, so glad you're willing to share your incredible gift, your very credible communications. Diane writes in her bio that she has dedicated her life to receiving and publishing her telepathic transmissions from beings residing in higher realms of consciousness. She says, my goal is to spread these messages around the globe in hopes of awakening surface humans to the existence of those that inhabit the oceans, subterranean realms, hollow Earth, and surface nature kingdoms throughout the publication of my books. So lucky to have Diane. Uh, it's too bad she's not running for president right now. Right, that's the one thing missing. Uh, you know, from this from this election. Uh, you know, just what do the Hollow Earth people think? What are the, what are they wanting? Uh, according to her telepathic transmissions, subterranean dweller Michael says the following about how his people came to live inside the Earth. Once we were adrift in space living on another solar system in the Milky Way galaxy. At that time, there were what you today call Star Wars. People were engaged in battles to control our section of the galaxy. These battles brought great destruction to our planets, knocked solar systems off course. It was a dark time for our galaxy, and beings like ourselves yearned for peace to be restored so that we could continue our evolution. This is when we discovered the Earth, We left our solar system and traveled here. God, this is really helpful. This is really detailed shit, right? There were Star Wars, knocked solar systems around, uh, peaceful beings traveled uh, here to escape fighting. Got it. When we alighted on the surface, we were amazed and in awe of the beauty and tranquility of Earth. We explored the surface and found the open tunnels leading into the cavity inside. These were already existing tunnels from other civilizations, for the Earth is very old and her civilization's ancient. Super cool, right? There was other civilizations that made tunnels that were here even longer than a few million years ago. Okay, already got it. We migrated through the poles and found our nest inside. The inside is so clean, so pure, so peaceful that from time on, we never left it. Throughout the ages, we've enlarged and expanded the tunnels leading to the subterranean cities and surface as a means of travel for our inhabitants and yours. Weird that you just said you never left it, but then you did say you did leave it right after that. That's confusing. Uh, huh, and for our benefit, you, you dickheads uh, have made these tunnels really hard to find. Hollow Earth is our home. We have been here for millions of years, slowly evolving ourselves into God beings. Fuck yeah, noise. Our evolution has made great strides due to the isolation of being wrapped up inside the womb of Mother Earth. All our lives have been spent in peace and bliss due to our location. We exist here in peace and tranquility because of the proximity to the heartbeat of Mother Earth. The more deeply one goes into the earth, the more deeply one feels the beat of the earth. And the more one feels her capitalized heartbeat, the more one resonates to her goddess qualities. If you're thinking that didn't really help me uh, uh, learn much of anything, yeah, you're right. If you're thinking that was a bunch of fucking new age nonsense, mother earth babble gibberish, all right. If you're thinking, can you just give me a lot more details as to what is going on inside the fucking earth? No, I can't. 
There is no concrete, heavily detailed description that, say, uh, a real-life explorer would give because no one has been there because it's not real. But you probably know that. But we're not here to talk about real. We're also here to talk about belief. And to further illustrate what modern proponents of hollow earth theory believe, how about we check in uh, with today's idiots of the internet? Idiots of the internet. I want you to hear a little intro to a roughly 44-minute-long video titled Inner Earth Civilizations Exist and I Can Prove It, posted by the Universe Inside You YouTube channel, channel that has 1.32 million subscribers. Awesome. This video has nearly 850,000 views. It would have many more if it hadn't have been apparently pulled down several times by YouTube. It has 37,000 likes, only 1,200 dislikes, which is frankly equally uh, infuriating and depressing because it is mind-bogglingly stupid. Before I play part of the intro, I want to read a comment pinned by the Universe Inside You channel. A few months after I first uploaded this video, it was demonetized and deemed unsuitable for viewers by YouTube. I contacted them by email, and they said that after a manual review, they confirmed it's unsuitable. When I asked why, they said they can't answer. Then I re-uploaded this video. A few days later, my entire channel got demonetized. Illuminati! Damn you, New World Order! Uh, thanks to all of your help and support you showed by tweeting to YouTube, they reinstated my monetization. Now I post this video for the third time. I disabled the notification because I don't want you to get spammed for the third time with the same video, but this is one of my favorite videos and my channel is not the same without it. Thank you for your support. So this, they really, this is a very important video to these people. Uh, in a perfect world, they would have zero uh, supporters. So let, let's listen to just a little bit of this. That Earth is a spherical, spacious planetary body with enormous continent-sized caverns deep within it hmm. and large entrances miles across at the North and South Pole. They say Inner Earth has water, oceans, and luminosity cool. and that it sustains not only plants and animals but intelligent life. If this sounds like heresy, lay aside what you think you know and hmm. we'll show you the evidence, the scientists, the legends, <laughs> and testimonies mm -hmm. behind the Inner Earth Theory so that you can see why it may be the most game-changing information ever concealed uh. from common knowledge. Uh -huh. That miles beneath your feet are ideal conditions for a life-sustaining and inhabitable Inner Earth. Uh, she doesn't actually—I I watched the video. Um, there isn't, like, science. But by, by scientist, she means, like— uh, very early scientists, a couple hundred years ago, who we'll talk about, whose theories were very quickly disproven. Um, she doesn't have like <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson isn't coming on there and be like, yeah, no, nah, it's fucking silly hollow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Giant continent-sized caverns, luminosity, intelligent beings, all living in the earth. Okay. Ha. Huh. Hmm. Does she give uh, uh, any extra details in this video about exactly who these beings are, what they do? Uh, not really. Kind of some vague descriptions that we'll go over later in today's show. Uh, before we get into the idiotic comments, and they are idiotic, let me just try and explain why none of these commenters can be right. Why this video has to be nonsense. Why the Earth can't be hollow. Modern science's understanding of the Earth's core began in the late 17th century, well over three centuries ago, when Sir Isaac Newton who realized that because of how planets move and the way our gravity is tied to a body's mass, our planet can't even have solid crust. The center of our world has to be even more dense than the surface for life as we know it to exist. Overall, the Earth's core has to be twice as dense as the rock we see every day here at the surface. If the Earth were truly hollow, the planet as a whole would be much, much lighter. Our gravity would be much, much weaker. I would for sure finally be able to dunk a basketball. And then I would probably float away into space after dunking. 
But I probably wouldn't even dunk in the first place because I would have floated away as a baby. And I probably would have never been a baby because our atmosphere wouldn't have been held in place by the gravity and I would have never been able to breathe in the first place. And well, you fucking, you get it. I hope. Uh, Change every time I said probably to definitely. Much more recently, geologists built on Newton's initial understanding with the development of remote sensing technology. Using that technology, they can determine the mantle's density, other characteristics based on how waves travel through the material during like uh, an earthquake. And if you're thinking, nope, nah, don't buy it. Fuck Newton. Fuck it. Fuck earthquakes. All right. Okay. You're crazy and you're unreasonable, but fine. I can talk about some other stuff. I can just prove the hollow earth in another way. Let's talk about the concept of an interior sun. That's where I kept getting hung up. An interior sun. How the fuck could a star, <laughs> some source of luminosity, fit inside our planet? Well, the short answer, of course, is that, that it can't. Uh, it, it's an idiotic thing to believe in. But we're not talking about a big light bulb here. Uh, we're talking about a, a giant burning sun. Our sun is more than 850,000 miles across, much bigger than the Earth itself, just shy of 8,000 miles across. However, there are smaller suns way out in the universe, much smaller suns, super dense neutron stars, less than a dozen miles across that could technically fit inside a hollow earth. But those little motherfuckers are real hot, like way too hot, well over a million degrees Fahrenheit hot. If you're really bad with numbers, you don't understand how hot that is. uh, You can burn yourself technically touching something that's just under 110 degrees Fahrenheit. You have to touch it for a long time. It won't burn you much, but technically it will eventually burn you. A campfire reaches an average temperature of about 930 degrees Fahrenheit. Huge roaring bonfire uh, reaches a temperature of about roughly 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, If you like to grill, you probably know that around 500 degrees Fahrenheit, you can sear a steak in less than two minutes. Keep that sweet steak juice inside where it's going to wait for your mouth muscles. Uh, I use a gas grill. I know, I know. I'm no purist, charcoal wizard. And the actual gas flame itself burns around 3,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Human body can be cremated at 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Less than three hours, your whole body reduced to nothing but a small amount of ash. Little neutron star is over 550 times cremation hot. A rock will begin to melt at less than 2,400 degrees Fahrenheit. Little neutron star, well over 400 times rock melting hot. A neutron star lighting up the hollow earth would completely and immediately fucking eviscerate our entire planet for sure. Whatever giants, other weird shit, uh, we're living inside the earth would be uh, almost instantaneously melted. And don't even get me started on where the sun is supposed to set inside the earth. Think about that. Uh, What, it has to rotate around uh, the inside earth? Uh, What? Like, does it go behind some other little thing to create? I I don't know. It hurts my head. I feel like I'm going to get a brain tumor if I think about it for too long. Uh, And forgetting about heat, a neutron star packs billions of times more gravity than earth. It's much, much, much more dense. One of these fuckers inside our planet would give us billions of times more gravity than we currently have. We would be so squished, like the most squished anyone has ever been squished if that star showed up inside the earth all of a sudden and for some reason wasn't hot. Uh, It's hard to say what would happen to us first if it showed up. Uh, Would it be squished or incinerated by hell-like heat? And still not done. Neutron stars produce a shit ton of very deadly radiation. Uh, Radiation beams. We'd be uh, squished, evaporated, uh, viscerated, our bones melted out of our flat, burnt bodies all at the same time. We die so quickly in so many ways. All of that makes perfect sense to me, and science was never my forte, never my favorite subject in school. Uh, you know, uh, no, no, not crazy discredited scientists are going to bump on the gist of anything I've just shared with you. Think about that as well. Why would all geologists, seismologists, astronomers, why would all of them lie to us? To what end? That has to uh, also be true for the earth to be hollow. All teachers, you know, they talk about magma, Uh, Inside the earth, you know, talk about plate tectonics. They're all liars. Thousands of people in the comment section of the hollow earth video I just watched, they don't give a shit about anything I just said. Uh, And I bet most of them have or will breed. 
So that's that's fun. Uh, the idea of a world inside our world makes perfect sense to them uh, because they disregard reason and proven scientific concepts and just uh, like to believe in, uh, you know, magic. Uh, Mr. Two Cents posts, yeah, pretty much everything you learn in school is wrong. Nice. Fuck yeah, bro. School's stupid. Thinking is for nerds. Uh, I've always read comments like that as uh, interpreted them as bullshit rationalizations. Oh, uh, Mr. Two Cents could have been valedictorian. Avi. Mr. Two Cents could have aced all of his classes, but he was too smart to be brainwashed by all that stupid book learning. Mm-hmm. Or he just doesn't want to admit that he struggled in science class or that he gave up in school or that homework was too hard or he's too lazy to do it or maybe he just didn't have the strength to accept that maybe, just maybe, he didn't have what it took to become a scientist if he wanted to. So what? I've never been some science whiz. There were always students better at science than I was in every class uh, I took. But I didn't let that fact twist shit around my mind and end up in some place of like, whatever, nerd, fucking dorks. Who cares about that stupid shit? I don't because it's so stupid. I'm not as, no. I respect those who are better than me in a variety of areas. And there are those better than me, in my opinion, in every area of life. And because I want to get better, instead of hating them or mentally discrediting them or ignoring them, I choose to admire them and to try and learn from them. Always got to keep an eye on that ego, right? Don't beat yourself up needlessly, but also don't metaphorically suck your own dick or suck your own lady wing. You get it. Next comment, uh, Andreas Chanatiakas writes, it makes me sad I might die before this is confirmed. Might? No, uh, wrong word. Uh, I think you meant will. Uh, you should be sad. But you will die before the hollow earth theory is confirmed because it's not true. Karama Gambino posts, anyone with a brain knows that this earth is exactly like Swiss chesses. The reason why civilians haven't been able to utilize it is because of our military complex. What? <laughs> Forget the chess cheese typo. Focus instead on the mindless gibberish being spouted with arrogance and then making me even angrier. The first reply under this comment is from Mike Miller, who writes, finally, someone with some critical thinking and common sense. You humbled me. What? Critical thinking and common sense equals thinking that the world is hollow. That some evil cabal government is hiding that fact from us. It's amazing. You're able to believe uh, that, Mike Miller, that you are a bastion of common sense and critical thinking when you choose clearly to live in a cesspool of ignorance. How does she humble you? You understand what the terms humble, critical thinking, and common sense mean? Uh, when I first started to read Christopher Leslie Stanley's post, I thought he was going to shit on some of the other commenters. Uh, I got hopeful. He wrote, enough with the bullshit. I'm not speaking of this presentation. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe. No. My hope was quickly dashed. When he kept writing, he said, the surface creatures of the earth have been led away and astray. Why that is can be guessed at, but the keepers of occult knowledge are not making the cut of the liars that used to be. Our official earth history is all just so much misleading bunk. I want to throw myself out the fucking window and read stuff like this. We need to finally make higher education free. Seriously. Let's take a quick little detour. I'll pay more in taxes if it means more people get to go to college. Not kidding. And if you think that sounds like socialism, yeah, it is. Sometimes I think I come across like I hate all forms of socialism. I do not. Never have. I hate communism. Love certain socialist policies. And you probably do too, even if you don't think you do. If you've been brainwashed into thinking that all socialism is bad, guess what? Social security is socialism. Anyone who says different is lying. If you really want to get rid of uh, any and all socialism, you should start campaigning to take away your grandparents' uh, retirement. Right? Take away your own social security. Uh, ready to throw those monthly checks into the fucking fire? No? Then maybe you don't hate all forms of socialism. The government, not individuals, not businesses, run the social security system. It's almost impossible to opt out of, not pay into, unless you're Amish or the member of some other conscientious objector group and can claim the very rare religious exemption from having to pay into the system. 
And because the American government plays such a dominant role in the U.S. social security system, deciding how much and when we employees and employers must pay into that system, how much we citizens receive in benefits when we get them, and because the U.S. government prevents almost everyone from opting out, socialism. Case closed. Uh, and some base level of free higher education would be another good form of socialism. I want it. I want it because I don't want society to devolve into some real-life hollow earth idiocracy. I don't want to live in a society where only the rich can afford to give their kids a good education. And then the rest of the kids have a decent chances, uh, ended up like, uh, you know, Christopher Leslie Stanley, uh, or these other hollow earth believing commenters. Two more. The shaman anarchist posts, not a planet, no such thing as satellites, CGI images, not photographs, NASA plus JPL equals OTO. Turning the astral realm into a habitable physical into a habitable physical one. Mass black magic spell on our consciousness awareness of where we are. Shamans unite. Peace. Uh, what? I think this motherfucker just said that uh, whether or not the earth is hollow is irrelevant because we don't even live on a planet. It's all CGI. We're chilling in the astral realm. We're living off of uh, mass black magic stuff. And can you imagine working with this lunatic? Hey, hey, Ted, uh, did Lorenzo say we had until the end of the day to get our reports done or the end uh, of the week? Uh, what reports? Oh, no, the reports uh, we've been working on the past two weeks. There are no reports. There are just thoughts projected into the soulscape, just frequencies and quantum vibrations. I live in the center of the great mind where my heart is pure and the tree of life feeds me through a thousand branches of pure energy. Peace. Uh, last one. About 300 comments down. Finally, I find someone who asked an intelligent question. Merkaba writes, how will the cabal gain from the keeping this hollow earth findings as a classified matter? No one replies. Of course they don't. No one replies because the whole hollow earth house of cards theory falls apart when you try to answer this one question. No one has anything to gain by keeping the hollow earth a secret. Man, four years ago when I started TimeSuck, I thought people leaving these type of comments were just fringy, rare wackadoodles, outliers. I don't think that anymore. They're not totally mainstream yet, but they're trending that way. The ranks seem to be growing. There's a candidate running for Congress from Georgia right now who is an admitted QAnon believer, a straight up fucking maniac, and she might actually win. Intellectually, QAnon is on par with hollow earth, flat earth, lizard people, those, those kind of beliefs. I try to be a uniter and not a divider, but I, I can't do that on the intellectualism versus anti-intellectualism front. This is the cult of the curious, not the cult of the willfully ignorant. Please keep fighting the good fight. Please keep, you know, thinking deeply and logically, meat sacks. It's, it's so important. I know I don't always get shit right here in times. Like I know sometimes I, uh, I reach too far. I'm out of my depth, but damn it, I try. I try to promote truth and reason because I truly believe life will be so much better for us all uh, if we all live by more truth and reason. Let us all continue to fight hollow earthers and the rest of the idiots of the internet. Idiots of the internet. Okay, I feel a little better now. Sometimes I have to get that shit out, right? Now, now, I can, now I can be a little sillier again. Uh, in another version of the hollow earth hypothesis, instead of saying that humans live on the outside surface of a hollow planet, sometimes called a convex hollow earth hypothesis, some have claimed that our universe itself lies in the interior of another hollow world, calling this a concave hollow earth hypothesis. In this version, we live on the inside of a planet and there's someone else above us. NASA is lying to us. I take back everything I said in today's Idiots of the Internet. No, I don't. Uh, this theory to me is even dumber than the last one I just shit on. Like, where do these come from? 
like a lot of other bad ideas we meet Zach just can't seem to collectively shake. They come from a long, long time ago. In ancient times, when people knew a lot less about how the world around them worked, the idea of subterranean realms seemed pretty reasonable. And it became intertwined with the concept of places like the Greek Hades, the Nordic uh, Svartalheim, uh, the Christian hell, the Jewish Sheol, uh, with details describing inner earth in uh, uh, Kabbalistic literature as well. Uh, for these pre-industrialized, pre-scientific thought societies, hell and heaven were not metaphorical concepts. They were places you could literally descend into, you know, climb out of. Of course they were. People living over a thousand plus years ago legitimately worried about sea serpents pulling their ships to the bottom of the ocean. They worried that a dragon could fly over and burn down their village. The combination of religious redemption, utopian thought, and the tension between the underside as a metaphor or reality would continue to exist in hollow earth uh, theory for centuries. There were ancient hollow earth, uh, you know, believers living in the Americas as well, such as South America's Makoshi people and North America's Hopi people. The Makoshi are indigenous to the Amazon, Brazil, Guyana, Venezuela, uh, Makushi, actually Makushi, not Makoshi, Makushi. And their shamans claim that a vast network of tunnels uh, connects our world to the mysterious chambers under the surface of the earth. According to their legends, they are descendants of the sun's children, the creator of fire and disease and the protector, uh, protectors of the inner earth. And the uh, Makushi uh, legends state that travelers enter a cavern and journey for 13 to 15 days until they reach the earth's interior said to be inhabited by giants. What a fun thing to believe. I'm kind of jealous, actually. How exciting to go on some big adventure looking for a mystical cave, thinking that if you find it, you can find a door to a magical subterranean world inside. Uh, this concept of magic in this culture, uh, you know, still has not been demoted to, yeah, maybe, but that doesn't line up with uh, science, right? They still just uh, get to uh, believe this in certain parts of the Amazon. Uh, the Makushi uh, do still live in the Amazon today and maintain their ancient belief systems. They live much like they did in centuries past in villages linked together by tracks and paths with houses uh, built around a central courtyard. Like the Makushi, the Hopi people in Arizona and the southwest, southwestern United States also root their creation in an underground world. Uh, according to legend, they uh, emerged from a massive, or they once emerged from a massive underground shelter after a flood destroyed an earlier version of the above ground world. Interesting that a, that a giant flood would destroy the land above a big cave, but not somehow drip down and uh, flood the, the people in the cave below. It must have been a very airtight cave. In the Hopi culture, they specifically reference emerging from the Grand Canyon, and uh, they talk about ant people uh, that were crucial to their survival. I know we've talked about ant people before. I wish I could remember when. Uh, according to legends, the ant people saving the Hopi from dying in massive, uh, you know, saved the Hopi people from dying in massive natural disasters. The so-called first world uh, was apparently destroyed by fire. The second world was destroyed by ice and then the third by a flood. During these events, the virtuous members of the Hopi uh, were guided by an odd-shaped cloud during the day. A uh, moving star at night led them to the sky god named Sotukanang. Sotukanang uh, took them to the ant people known in Hopi as Anu Sanom. The ant people then escorted the Hopi into subterranean caves where they found refuge and sustenance. Ant people were generous and industrious, giving the Hopi food when supplies ran short, teaching them uh, food storage and survival skills. Another legend says that the reason why ants are thin in the middle today is because they once deprived themselves in order to feed the Hopi. One of these, uh, these Hopi ant people are the ancestors of the deadly uh, Ombre Asino ants. I made up that one time. Uh, based on random YouTube comments I found, some people seem to still believe that the ancient, ancient Hopi ant people are real. Why not, right? If you believe the earth is hollow, why not believe in ant people? I, I think once you go hollow earth, you know, just about everything's fair game. Uh, 
Uh, there's other ancient roots to these uh, hollow earth ideas. Buddhism, a religion over 2,500 years old, has long incorporated a belief in the subterranean, uh, a place called Agarthi. And if you're thinking, hey, Agarthi sure sounds a lot like Agartha, that's because they're one and the same. Agartha is known to hollow earthers as Agarthi, Agartha. Uh, ancient Buddhist texts state that Agarthi was first colonized thousands of years ago when a holy man led his tribe underground. This tribe and their descendants were industrious and intelligent and over the years became a race of supermen and superwomen whose technological progress was far beyond that of surface-dwelling humans. That's what happens when you work hard and apply yourself in the hollow earth. You become a, a superhuman. I think the water down there is full of uh, steroids or something. These, these super people occasionally came to the surface, still come to the surface sometimes, to oversee the development of the human race. According to some type Tibetan Buddhist teachings, the subterranean world has millions of inhabitants and many cities, its capital being Sham, uh, Shambhala. Kind of like how with uh, Christianity's Garden of Eden, some think it never existed as a real place. It's only a metaphor. Others think it was a very real place. Still others think it still is a real place. We just have to find it. Uh, Shambhala is said to be a uh, land of a thousand names. It's been called the Forbidden Land, the land of white waters, land of radiant spirits, land of living fire, land of the living gods, land of wonders, land of hot tatas, land of sweet sugar nips. Maybe not those last two. Uh, it's also known as Shangri-La. Uh, there are various ideas about where this society is located. It's often placed underneath Central Asia, north of Tibet. The idea of Shambhala, uh, a, a real place, Shambhala, Shambhala, I've heard it pronounced both ways. I'll, I'll go with Shambhala. A uh, real place we could find maybe be, uh, became popular in Europe and the U.S. in some spiritualist circles in the 19th century. A very influential 19th century wackadoodle named Helena Blavatsky, who's shown up in a few of our stranger topics over the past few years, promoted it amongst so many other interesting ideas. She said that Shambhala was uh, fertile, fairy-like land, once an island, now an oasis of incomparable beauty, the place of meeting of the inheritors of the esoteric wisdom of the godlike inhabitants of the legendary. Fucking this, this stuff scrambles my brain. <laughs> it's just, ah, I, I pulled that quote. It is insane to me. Kind of like with David Icke. There are books and books and books and every single sentence is just borderline gibberish. Uh, Blavatsky said that quasi-immortal Tibetan ancient teachers would meet their, meet in this place every seven years to share in the wisdom of the gods. Uh, she said a lot of crazy shit. She also uh, said that the lost kingdom of Atlantis was destroyed in a wizard battle <laughs> over 200,000 years ago. Uh, uh, we talked about that in the Atlantis suck. Uh, a battle where uh, chimeras with human bodies and the heads of lions, tigers, and bears ate corpses on the battlefield. <sighs> we might want to do a, a suck on Blavatsky and her the theosophical teachings someday. Or maybe not. Uh, Hindu theology also speaks of an underground kingdom. The Hindu text Ra, uh, Ra, <sighs> Rama... Ra, oh my God. Ramayana, Ramayana, one of the two major Sanskrit epics of ancient India tells of the great avatar Rama. It describes Rama as an emissary from Agartha or uh, Arva, Aryavartha, uh, which translates to the land or realm of the Aryans or the land of the noble worthy ones. And the Nazis would later really grab onto this little teaching. Did someone say Aryan? Carl, did you hear them say it? Carl, this is wonderful. This lines up with all of your other wonderful prophecies. Uh, old little callback there to the Nazi search for the Holy Grail suck. Uh, various Hindu texts described a subterranean race of serpent people. According to the legend, they waged war on the kingdom of Agartha. Or Agartha. The snake people, also called the Nagas, half human, half cobra, an advanced race with a highly developed technology who harbored a disdain for humans. They would abduct, torture, and eat humans. They were total dicks. And they would also sometimes fuck us and breed with us. It's very confusing. 
They hated us and they lusted after us and sometimes maybe loved us. They were written about a long time ago by authors who were not good at storytelling. Fucking snake people. I'm pretty sure Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe is one of these uh, Naga snake folks. Uh, They live in an underground kingdom called Nagalaka, (laughs) filled with uh, resplendent palaces, beautifully ornamented uh, with precious gems. Uh, they're, They're bougie. They're bougie snake people dickheads. And there are other ancient versions of Agartha. Uh, The list goes on and on. It's actually hard to find an ancient religion without some sort of connection to an underground world. A lot of old religious beliefs in a subterranean kingdom seem to center on the idea of a place that's far beyond us in terms of both technological development and, while I didn't get into this above, uh, spiritual goodness. To find these places, you have to know where to look and you have to be pure of heart. That second part is a great way to explain uh, why some people can't find it, right? Why naysayers like me can't find it or too wicked. If my damn heart was more pure, I could for sure sneak into the center of the earth. But no, I'm too busy motorboating Lucifina. Be gone, Lucifina. You're keeping me from finding Shangri-La. You're keeping me stuck on Earth's shitty old outside crust. Worshipping your sexy, distracting ass. Are those new thigh-high boots? Are you, are you hips curvier? Okay, I'll stay on the crust with you. Anyway, a lot of ancient religious beliefs, especially Eastern ones, teach that Agartha is a place uh, that we can literally physically reach if we just keep looking. It's a place of protection, uh, there's uh, some sort of more developed species uh, living there that could look after us if we could find them before the fucking snake people eat us. Uh, taken metaphorically, the concept of Agartha could just mean that there's a way to achieve a state of inner peace. And if everyone did that, we could all live in a utopia right here on the shitty old outside crust. I like that message. That's something I can get into. Uh, but Agartha taken literally, get the fuck out of here. Gosh, gosh dang, there's no way. Uh, but the belief in a literal Agartha continues to the present day people still look for it. Uh, let's now explore how the Hollow Earth movement developed in the West over the last several centuries, how it even made it to the White House in today's Time Suck timeline. Right after a quick sponsor break, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you suddenly had an extra hour show up in your day every day, what would you do with it? Work out, sleep, read a book, play Fortnite, call your mom, take judo lessons, finally watch all the episodes of Shameless. A lot of us spend a lot of our time wishing we had more time. But why? Time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The bad news is that you're not going to get that 25th hour. But what you can probably do is reprioritize where you spend some of your time. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it with your time. This year, my health is more important to me than cranking out another stand-up special as fast as possible. So I canceled a tour, sacrificed that income, and decided to spend a lot of the time I just got back working out more, resting more, relaxing more, and enjoying time with family, friends, and just myself. And I'm so glad I did. I feel better than I have in a long time. And my BetterHelp therapist, Debbie, was very helpful in getting me to make the decision to pull back. Thank you, Debbie. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TimeSuck today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TimeSuck. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything... Is that there's always a catch. So when you hear that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably thinking, what's the catch? Well, there isn't one, really. They cut the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. It's pretty simple. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 
15 bucks a month and no catch. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts over. And in addition to saving money, like over a 50% price drop from what I was paying before, the network quality, in my experience, is better than it was with my old service provider. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash timesuck. That's mintmobile.com slash timesuck. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash timesuck. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Thanks to Rocket Money, I canceled a membership to a gym I used to go to where I continued to pay a monthly membership for a couple of years after I stopped going. I didn't even recognize the charge. Rocket Money found it though, and it was canceled. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. That's rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. Rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. I still love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but I'd stopped eating them almost entirely a while back because the bread on top of the sugar from the jelly made me so sleepy. All those carbs caused me to want to take a nap after eating them. Enter Hero Bread. Hero Bread takes the fear of carbs out of bread, but still leaves you with that delicious bread taste. Hero Bread has zero to one gram of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and it's high in fiber. It's also delicious and flavorful. The soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying a savory breakfast burrito or mouth-watering cheeseburger. There is something for every craving, including sliced bread loaves, buns, and tortillas. And there are monthly small batch drops of indulgent favorites, like the two grams of net carbs Hero Croissant or the one gram of net carbs Hero Cheddar Biscuit. I had a loaf of Hero Classic White Bread delivered last week. Soft, fluffy, and delicious. Five grams of protein per slice, and it's high in fiber. And the best part? Hero Bread doesn't taste healthy. It tastes like bread. It's great. Don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code TIMESUCK at checkout. That's TIMESUCK at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Thank you for listening to our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strap on those boots, soldier. We're marching down a TIMESUCK timeline. In 1692, the first scientific theory about the possibility of a hollow planet, at least in the West, comes from famed astronomer Edmund Halley, after whom Halley's Comet was named when he correctly calculated its orbit. And I'm sure you will not be surprised to find out that I have mispronounced that comet my entire life. What? Oh, oh, mushmouth? Fucked up a word? Get out of here. No, I've always thought it was Haley. Like hail. Nope, Halley. Uh, Halley proposed that the magnetic pole may have been movable because it was not attached to the Earth's surface, but was instead embedded in a freely floating subsphere inside the Earth. He suggested that there were as many as three of these layers around a solid core, all gravitationally centered, 
all separated by atmospheres. It's possible, he thought, that the aurora borealis could be caused by luminous gases leaking out of a polar opening from the atmospheres inside the Earth. Holy shit. Uh, Dude thought we had basically three different worlds living inside of our world. And this proposal made him the scientific godfather of modern hollow Earth theory. Newton had already shown that the Earth was in the oblate or oblate sphere, one flattened at its poles that was thickest at the equator, uh, which is true. The distance from Earth's center to sea level is roughly 21 kilometers or 13 miles greater at the equator than at the poles. That made sense to Halley, who figures that the outer crust is thicker at the equator to account for the uh, oblation uh, and thinner at the poles, so thin that there could have been permeability for his luminous gases. He also reasons that if there was light and an atmosphere between each layer, each might also be inhabited by other beings. Half a century later, in 1741, some of the first science fiction about the hollow earth theory is penned by Ludwig Holberg, a Norwegian writer, essayist, philosopher, historian, and playwright. Holberg published the novel Niels Klim's uh, Underground Travels, in which a man, Niels Klim, uh, falls, falls through a cave while spelunking and spends several years living on a smaller globe within our own. As was convention for the time, the novel began with a foreword that assures that everything in the story is a real account of the title character's exploits in the underworld. These days, most of us hopefully would realize this was a marketing ploy, kind of like how a horror movie will often get uh, more buzz if it's, uh, quote, based on a true story. Back then, a lot of people just really thought what he wrote about uh, was nonfiction, and some people still do. A few years later, in the mid-18th century, Swiss mathematician and physicist Leonard Euler considered the hollow earth theory in one of his books in which he speculated about what would happen if you drilled a hole through the earth and dropped a stone through it. And actually, it's said that he speculated about hollow earth theory. He really was just doing a thought experiment, one of many he worked on. He wrote, if you were to dig a hole in the earth at whatever place and to continue your labor incessantly, digging always downward and downward perpendicularly, uh, perpendicularly, you would at length reach the center of the earth It is true such a project could never be executed as it would be necessary to dig to the depth of 3,956 English miles, but there is no harm in supposing it in order to discover what would be the result. And he goes on to work out a hypothetical scenario to present a mathematical concept. He did not actually promote a belief in a hidden world inside our own. But years later, hollow earthers would twist his words around, put new ones he never spoke into his mouth, and eventually attest that Euler proposed the possibility of a single shell hollow earth with a small sun just a kilometer across the center, providing light and warmth for the inner earth civilization. A civilization that never had to, uh, or that had to uh, invest heavily, I guess, in in blackout shades to get some sleep. Uh, But he never believed any of that. He never said that last part. Uh, Other intellectuals in the mid-18th century then supposedly proposed that only, um, not only, excuse me, was the earth hollow, it also had two inner suns, and Scottish mathematician Sir John Leslie allegedly even named them, Pluto and uh, Proserpine. ah, But he didn't. Uh, A couple of authors made all of that up. The alleged not true but reported to be true interest of Euler and Sir Leslie has kept modern hollow earthers pointing to them to scientifically legitimize their theories for decades, and it's lies, the two people who originally purported that Euler was a hollow earth believer and that uh, Sir uh, Leslie was also a hollow earth believer were 20th century sci-fi writers Lion Sprague de Camp and Willie Otto Oscar Lay. They made it all up to help sell their book Lands Beyond. They asserted all of this uh, without providing any references because there weren't any. 1755, yet another hollow earth science fiction book is published, A Voyage to the World in the Center of the Earth. The novel was published in London anonymously. To this day, no one has conclusively identified the book's author. 
It was published over a century before Jules Verne's 1871 book of almost the exact same title. The novel's narrator, who remains as anonymous as the book's author, parties away his inheritance, then ships out for Italy. While exploring on Mount Vesuvius, he accidentally falls into one of the many holes that led into the interior of the earth where another world awaited. The inhabitants of this interior would dress in silk robes and live to be 200 years or older, possess limited telepathy. They're, they're strict vegetarians. In addition to the usual above-ground animals, Inner Earth also has uh, gigantic birds who are trained to provide air travel. <laughs> and the anonymous author, whoever he or she was, uh, never interested in the Earth's hollowness as a matter of scientific fact. After the narrator meets the king of Inner Earth, he sets off on a wild ride to other planets, travels through time. He visits Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. He follows a uh, 4,000-year-old ghost. He parties with uh, Alexander the Great. People in 1755 must have been stoked, right? There was no Game of Thrones, no Star Wars. It's probably the craziest shit they've ever read. I bet a lot of people loved it. Some hollow earthers now refer to this book as if it were factual. The author being anonymous uh, really uh, gets them fired up because they uh, they feel that he had to publish or she had to publish his book anonymously because they were speaking the truth and the Catholic Church would have him killed if their real identity was discovered. Uh, a quarter of a century later, more hollow earth speculation. 1781, Jean-Antoine Lecoeur Milfort, a French military officer and adventurer, leads hundreds of Creek Indians during the American Revolutionary War to a series of caverns near the Red River above the junction of the Mississippi River. According to Milford, according to their spiritual traditions and folklore, the Creek Indians' uh, ancestors are believed to have emerged from these caverns. And he wanted to check them out. And of course, he didn't find anything. But he wrote later in his memoirs about how the caverns could easily contain 15,000 to 20,000 families and about how maybe there was a tunnel somewhere inside of them uh, that might lead to a hidden underground world. And this, of course, was added to the mythology of the hollow earth theory. European interest in the hollow earth theory continues a few years later in 1788. That year, Giacomo Casanova, an Italian ecclesiastic writer, soldier, spy, and diplomat, wrote the story of Edward and Elizabeth, a five-volume, 1,800-page story uh, of a brother and sister, Edward and Elizabeth, who fall into the earth and discover a subterranean utopia— Populated mainly by a race of multicolored hermaphroditic dwarves. Fuck yeah! Finally! I was wondering when the hermaphroditic dwarves were going to show up in this story. Uh, in the dwarves' peaceful land, where flood, famine, war, slavery are unknown, the couple, brother and sister, spawn 40 pairs of twins, who in turn populate the universe. Sounds like this dude used a uh, fantastical backdrop to kind of uh, distract uh, from wanting to bone his sister, maybe. Uh, this work of fiction has naturally been interpreted by some as being nonfiction. Uh, two decades later, John Cleves Sims. Boom! We're one of the big dogs now. He enters the hollow earth scene. He will arguably become uh, the most famous hollow earth proponent in modern history. Uh, neck and neck with Richard Bird for the title uh, of the name most associated now with hollow earth theory. We'll talk about Bird soon too. Uh, there's still a monument to Sims hollow earth, uh, his ideas about hollow earth in Hamilton, Ohio. When the local Hamilton burying ground was turned into a park in the 1840s, all of its bodies were dug up and moved to a new cemetery except for the body of John Cleve Sims. Uh, his son had his gravesite turned into a monument complete with the globe on top with a hole through the middle of it inscribed with Sims' belief that, quote, the earth is hollow and habitable within. Sims, a soldier, yeah, and this is still there. You can check it out today. Sims, a soldier and author, was born in Sussex County, New Jersey, November 5th, 1780. After receiving a common school education, he enlisted in the U.S. Army at 22, attained the rank of captain, continued in the service until the end of the War of 1812. After the war, he moved to St. Louis, Missouri, established a trading post, uh, immersed himself in the natural sciences, reading whatever books he could get his hands on. 
1818, the War of 1812 veteran broached the theory of concentric spheres, a theory that says there are smaller and smaller Earths within the Earth, much like Russian dolls. I like it. This is the craziest one yet. In 1818, he wrote a circular, a type of newsletter, writing, I declare the Earth is hollow, inhabitable within, containing a number of solid concentric spheres, one within the other, and that it is open at the poles 12 or 16 degrees. I pledge my life in support of this truth, and I'm ready to explore the hollow, if the world will support and aid me in this undertaking. Sim sent uh, this declaration at considerable cost to himself to each notable foreign government, reigning prince, legislature, city, college, and philosophical society throughout the union and to individual members of our national legislature as far as the 500 copies would go. Oh, man. I'm sure his wife, Mary, loved that. Great use of the family money. Throughout the 1820, Sims wrote a lot about the hollow earth. In one of his numerous memoirs, he explained his theory with dividers, describe a plane of matter of loose texture, and in the center, add a very small circle, then draw a line through the center. It is evident, as matter gravitates matter in proportion to quantity and distance, <laughs> fucking more gibberish, that either half of the inner circle, being almost equally surrounded by matter, must be very little gravitated center-wise, so being suspended, only a rotary motion is needed to throw it compactly toward the outer circle. I just picture people when he's rattling off about this, they're just like, okay, sure. Like, just to get him to shut the fuck up. Like, he's been talking for two hours. And the center-wise, suspended, the rotary, the, <laughs> yeah, I get it. I'm with you. Right, right, everyone seems to be with me. Now they do this, why do you shut up? He goes on a little bit more. Uh, this being admitted, it follows that halfway from the outer to the inner side of the circle of matter thus thrown out like a, a like rarity, suspension or balance of gravity should prevail, and hence a disposition to concentric circles. Therefore, it follows that successive similar subdivisions should exist, <laughs> gradually loosening in force of quantity. By applying this principle to the earth, I find the necessity of hollow consent. This guy's a fucking maniac. Ultimately, Sims would simplify his theory, abandoning this series. It's too confusing. Right, this series of concentric inner spheres, this babble, uh, and, and he, he he lands on nah, never, never mind. There's just one. There's one hollow earth, not five. I just picture him pacing back and forth in some old log cabin when he comes to this decision, trying to decide, you know, why people won't, you know, understand his five worlds. They laugh at you. They all laugh at you. Why? Why can't they accept their five worlds inside of this one? I talked about this, the centers, the divisions, the gravitational gravitates, the, the twisting, the, the, the spinning, the spiraling. I carried the one. I did the math. I drew a circle. I drew five more circles. I, I stacked them. I twisted them. I moved them around. I talked about how there must be warm and rich lands st stocked with thrifty vegetables, but they have no interest in funding my expedition to make contact with this five worlds. <sighs> wait, 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 wait. And he goes over to a chalkboard, like filled with a bunch of fucking crazy numbers and equations that make no sense to anyone other than him. Dear God, I, I multiplied here when I should have divided. <laughs> you fool, Sims. There isn't five worlds. That's crazy talk. No wonder no one will take you seriously. There's one world inside our own, probably, if not likely, populated by mole people. <laughs> I must promote my new rational hollow earth theory IDs immediately. He does. Uh, in 1820, Sims uh, begins to promote his new theory, lecturing on it in Cincinnati. And then he <laughs> travels, he tours with this presentation to other towns and cities. He brings along a wooden globe with the polar sections removed to reveal the inner earth. He tells audiences that there's an opening 4,000 miles or 6,450 kilometers uh, across at the North Pole. And then there's an Antarctic opening about 6,000 miles across, uh, uh, over 9,600 kilometers across. 
He said that the Earth's shell is about 810 miles or 1,300 kilometers thick, and people don't laugh or throw shit at him. Those are huge fucking holes, 6,000 miles across. You would think that NASA could find those holes, that private satellites, you know, would for sure know about them and have photographed them by now. Why don't we have pictures of them? Magic! The Illuminati magic. It keeps the wicked folk from seeing them. That really is kind of like the basic idea. Uh, Sims' ideas began to filter into the public consciousness. Uh, popular support for an Arctic expedition he proposes starts to build. Through his lectures, he gains two of his most famous disciples, James McBride and Jeremiah Reynolds. James McBride was a wealthy and prominent pioneer statesman in Butler County, Ohio. He was Hamilton, Ohio's first mayor, prominent representative to Congress, uh, Ohio's leading pioneer author and antiquarian, uh, Miami University Secretary and President of the Board of Trustees. He was the Butler, Butler County's fifth sheriff. He was a surveyor. Uh, he was an officer of other various entities. He basically did everything for that area. And he was a hollow earther. James married the daughter of Judge Lytle of the Lytle family of the Ohio River Valley and became, through her, a relative of Senator Homer T. Bone of Governor uh, Andrew L. Harris, Governor of Ohio. Uh, as an archaeologist, he lived and worked near the Great Miami River, examining evidence of ancient life in the region. And this powerful man would become one of Sims' biggest supporters. The second of Sims' notable supporters, Jeremiah Reynolds. What a life this guy lived. He was a newspaper editor, lecturer, explorer, author, who became an influential advocate. Uh, for scientific expeditions. Born into poverty in Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, he moved to Ohio as a child. In his teen years and early 20s, he did farm labor, taught school, saved his money, attended Ohio University in Athens uh, for three years, he, uh, Athens, Ohio. Uh, he then edited the Spectator newspaper in Wilmington, Ohio, before selling his shares in it uh, around 1823, joining up with Sims. Reynolds and Sims went on tour together full-time, spoke to full houses all across the East Coast, Charged 50 bucks for price of admission, which is about 45 bucks uh, in today's money. When Sims died in 1829, Reynolds would continue the Hollow Earth lectures. Their lectures are said to have inspired several different authors, uh, including Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, back to Sims. In 1820, he petitioned Congress to fund an expedition to test his theory. It did not pass, but he also did not give up. In 1823, Sims lobbies a U.S. senator from Kentucky to support a bill funding a proposed expedition to explore trade routes in the Southern Hemisphere with subterranean people uh, described in at least one source as mole people. Okay. Uh, the senator he had lobbied, Richard M. Johnson, later became vice president of the United States under Martin Van Buren. Dick Johnson. We got to get Dick Johnson on this. <laughs> what, a, what a terrible name. I'm sure that slang, you know, wasn't quite the same then. But, oh, man. Richard Johnson today. If you, if you name your kid Richard Johnson today. You're, uh, you're not going to win Parent of the Year Award. Old Dick Johnson. Old Dick Dick. Uh, the, the Congress voted 56-46 not to spend money on the expedition. And that is insane. That means roughly 44% of the country's congressmen were willing <laughs> to spend taxpayer money to try and contact mole people. God, so much funnier if they would have funded it. So close. So crazy this made it to a vote that it got a lot of votes. 44 congressmen were like, I like it. We simply must make contact with the mole people and establish trade routes before the Brits or the French beat us to the punch. By God, we will be the new world's colonizers. First, we will trade with the mole people. Then we will dominate those nearly blind motherfuckers. Then, to make it easier to get to our new land, we'll dig a lot of holes. Yes, I need to invest heavily in ladders. No, no, not ladders, trains. Yes, trains. We'll angle the holes and dig train tunnels. I have to run down and put all my money into train stock at once. Uh, in 1828, President John Quincy Adams indicates that he might approve funding for Sims' expedition. So now they're trying it again. 
Uh, the following quote was used in episode eight of The Suck. I'm going to repeat it today because it really does illustrate where the sixth U.S. president's head was on this subject. This was published in his memoirs, the John Quincy Adams Memoirs, volume eight, page 168. Mr. Reynolds is a man who has been lecturing about the country in support of Captain John Cleve Sims' theory that the earth is the hollow earth open at the poles. His lectures are said to have been well attended and much approved as exhibitions of genius and science. But the theory itself has been so much ridiculed and is in truth so visionary that Reynolds has now varied his purpose to the proposition of fitting out a voyage of circumnavigation to the Southern Ocean. He has obtained numerous signatures in Baltimore to a memorial to Congress for this object, which he says will otherwise be powerfully supported. It will, however, have no support in Congress that they will come, but not yet, nor in my time. May it be my fortune and my praise to accelerate its approach. Sims has been asking for 100 brave companions well-equipped to start from Siberia in the fall season with reindeer and sleighs on the ice in the frozen sea, with plans to slip between the concentric spheres, which he believes are open at the poles 12 or 16 degrees. Holy shit! <laughs> for a minute, looked like uh, Sims McBride Reynolds might finally get their expedition, you know, funded. They've lobbied so hard for uh, and, but then Adams didn't win his bid for second term as president. In 1829, his successor, Andrew Jackson, nipped a bill funding the proposed expedition right in the bud. So there was a bill. It did look like Adams was going to approve it if he would have won that second term. Uh, again, too bad the trip wasn't funded. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe it would have taken some steam out of the hollow earth theory uh, when they you know, did this big expedition and didn't find shit. But uh, probably not. Uh, May 28th, 1829, Sims dies. Reynolds and McBride continue campaigning on behalf of his cause. After the failure to get the government to fund the Hollow Earth Expedition of 1829, Reynolds joins a crew sailing to the South Seas to hunt some seals. Interesting turn of events. If you want to fund my journey to the uh, interworld uh, at once, I will, I guess, club some seals or something. A few years later, Reynolds is back at it, garners some support from private sources. He does get an expedition that sails off from New York City. Uh, they, they encounter a lot of danger. It doesn't go well. They do reach the Antarctic shore, and then they return north after not finding, you know, a giant hole into the center of the earth. And then off the coast of uh, Valparaiso, Chile, uh, the crew mutinies. They apparently don't like Reynolds and uh, also don't like this artist named John Frampton Watson, and they drop these two ding-dongs off on the shore. And then Reynolds is stranded there for, <laughs> for two full years. He can't make it back to America. Uh, just stuck down there after getting kicked off his own expedition. And finally, he hops aboard uh, the U.S. frigate uh, Potomac. Uh, man, stewing about not quite finding the tunnel to the center of the earth uh, for two years. I bet he was a lot of fun to be around. Uh, Reynolds had not found the entrance Sims had preached about, but he wouldn't be done trying to find it. In 1836, Reynolds helps renew efforts for funding a Southern Hemisphere expedition. He speaks before Congress, again, emphasizes the national glory that would accompany scientific discoveries, expand foreign relations. The expedition would become the United States Exploring Expedition of 1838 to 1842, and Reynolds is not invited to attend. <laughs> he became so impatient with the methodical planning of this voyage that he gets fired before they leave. What a, what a fucking terrible day. He finally gets his expedition and then they fire him. He doesn't get to be a part of it. I bet he complained about that shit on a daily basis until the day he died. Uh, in 1838, the U.S. Exploring Expedition kicks off, also known as the Wilkes Expedition, uh, named after its commander, Charles Wilkes. This expedition not approved to find the center of the earth, by the way. Uh, that's just what... Um, you know, Reynolds was hoping to also accomplish on this journey. It was approved to map much of the Pacific, and it did. Uh, they'd explore 280 islands, map most of the Oregon coast. Uh, they would uh, collect over 60,000 plant and bird specimens. When the expedition was completed in 1842, they'd effectively mapped the landmass where Sims had envisioned that large hole. Uh, of course, this landmass is Antarctica. 
and this is the first time it was officially recognized. The lack of a giant hole effectively shut down Sims' theories when they didn't find it on this expedition. But the belief in the hollow earth would grow even more popular because fuck facts. Facts don't beat magic, dummies. If you just believe in magic, any idiotic notion is always still up for grabs. In 1846, the discovery of a woolly mammoth has people speculating again about the existence of a hollow earth. While frozen woolly mammoth carcasses had been excavated by Europeans as early as 1728, the first fully documented specimen wasn't discovered uh, near the delta of the Lena River until 1799 Excuse me, by a Siberian hunter. And then in 1846, another woolly mammoth is found, this one perfectly preserved in ice in Siberia. It had frozen to death so quickly, there were still undigested pine cones in its stomach. This set off the hollow earth people who thought that there was no way this mammoth could have uh, frozen between 10,000 and 40,000 years ago. They theorized it probably just like a day or so ago, right? It wandered out from the hollow earth. It came out of the hole near the, you know, the North Pole or whatever, some other hole near there, some little side tunnel. If only someone would have followed the mammoth's tracks, they could have found a hollow earth tunnel. In 1864, Jules Verne's novel Journey to the Center of the Earth is published in French and becomes an instant subterranean fiction classic. Uh, The novel follows Professor Otto Lindenbrock, an eccentric German scientist who believes there are volcanic tubes that reach to the center of the earth. He, his nephew Axel, and their Icelandic guide Hans descend into an inactive volcano in Iceland, then face danger in the form of cavens, subpolar tornadoes, an underground ocean, living prehistoric creatures from the Mesozoic and Cenozoic eras. And Verne's novel keeps the dream of a hollow earth alive for many. Another popular hollow earth book comes out that same year. Uh, In 1869, the hollow earth movement goes full cult, cult, cult. (laughs) Uh, That year, future cult leader Cyrus Teed breaks onto the hollow earth scene. Born October 18, 1839, Teed was an American alchemist and physician from upstate New York. Teed studied medicine before opening a medical practice in Utica, New York, and he was interested in unconventional experiments, such as alchemy, uh, often involving dangerously high levels of electricity. And in the autumn of 1869, during an experiment, he is badly shocked and he passes out. And while he's unconscious, he believes he is visited by a divine spirit who tells him, of course, that he is the Messiah. Sweet. Once he wakes up, he vows to apply his scientific knowledge to redeem humanity. He promptly changes his first name to Koresh, the Hebrew version of Cyrus. Another crazy Koresh, uh, David. David Koresh wasn't even the first crazy Koresh. Uh, Teed's vision consisted of a beautiful woman who revealed to him the secret of the hollow earth. He promptly publishes an account of this experience, the illumination of Koresh, marvelous experience of the great alchemist at Utica, New York. Finally, I think we've uncovered the real entrance to the hollow earth. You gotta shock the fuck out of yourself. You gotta scramble your brain until it thinks an angel has told you that you're the Messiah <laughs> and showed you, uh, you know, how to get uh, to the hollow earth and, or, you know, showed you what it looks like. Uh, makes me think of a better way to find the inside of the earth. I think if I took enough shrooms, if I listened to the right YouTube videos for long enough, I think I could see the inside of the earth. Uh, this guy's crazy fucking book based entirely 100% on his visions T denounces the idea that the earth revolves around the sun and instead pioneers his own theory of the universe known as cellular cosmogony. And check this shit out. According to Teed's theory, we already live inside a hollow earth. We live on the inside of the crust, not the outside. You've been fed lies your whole life, sheeple. Our sun is some sort of giant battery operated contraption. Who changes those batteries? Don't worry about it. This theory is built for truth, not questions. 
What about the stars? What are they? Well, they're they're refracted battery sunlight. Teed's ideas called uh, Christianity catch on with others. <laughs> and I'm never shocked by someone talking about shit like this, right? You have a, you, get, you fucking shock your brain and you say a bunch of crazy stuff and you write a crazy book. That part makes complete sense to me. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, yeah sure. People do stuff like that. Uh, you know, you lose your mind. But then to convince other people that your insanity is legitimate when it's this crazy is, it'll never stop being mind boggling to me. Uh, Christianity preached cellular cos- uh, cosmogony, which we just talked about. We live inside a hollow earth. We watch a battery powered sun, you know. Uh, alchemy, you can turn various shit into gold with the right recipes. Uh, reincarnation, you know, the soul upon the death of the body comes back to earth in another body or form. Uh, immortality, we live forever. Uh, celibacy, don't, you know, let dicks end up in butts uh, or vaginas or mouths and stuff. Communism, put all your trust in the state, a state run by a maniac who thinks we live inside the earth, <laughs> who thinks he's God, who thinks you can turn lead into gold. And he taught a few other radical ideas. Uh, and he thought, he thought he was the reincarnation of Jesus. Uh, if I didn't mention that already. Uh, Teed started preaching Koreshanity uh, in the 1870s in New York, forming the Koreshan Unity, which later moves to Chicago. After many years of very enthusiastic lecturing, Teed establishes the College of Life in Chicago in 1886. All of this based on him having some kind of psychotic break when he got shocked. Uh, one of Teed's fundamental principles involves the gathering of his most devoted followers into communal living groups, and, and his first commune is formed in Chicago in 1888. 1902, a second Koreshian community is established in Chicago. Uh, then a short-lived community is established in San Francisco. Uh, other small church groups are established in other little towns. He starts a magazine, The Flaming Cross, which continues to be published regularly into the 1940s. He founds a community on a 300-acre tract in Florida in 1894. <laughs> by the mid 1890s, uh, you know, a couple of years, uh, you know, after they found this town, th- this place has blossomed into the town of Estero near Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, at the time, it's named the New Jerusalem. The golden age of the Koreshian unity in Estero uh, lasts from 1903 to 1908 when they have over 250 residents and, you know, incorporate into this theocratic town. He will die in 1908. Upon his death, his followers wait for him to rise again. He had prophesied he would. After three days, and incredibly, he never comes back, which is so surprising. I mean, he said he was Jesus. I mean, come on. Wait, could you have made all that up? Uh, all of Teed's followers and adherents now have died uh, until the last follower, Hedwick Michael, deeded their remaining land to the state of Florida in 1961. Teed's followers uh, continued to believe that we lived inside another world. <laughs> 1926, uh, someone actually tries to see what's going on in the North Pole from above. On May 9th, 1926, American Richard Byrd, old Dick Byrd, acting as navigator, and Floyd Bennett as <laughs> Dick Johnson and Dick Byrd. We got a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of dicks in this suck so far. Uh, yeah, Richard Byrd acting as navigator, Floyd Bennett uh, as pilot, make what they claim to be the first airplane journey over the North, North Pole, flying from Kings Bay, Norway, to the Pole and back. The flight lasts 15 and a half hours with no mishaps beyond an oil leak from the starboard engine of their Fokker trimotor airplane. Now, of course, uh, Bird does not report seeing any holes into the center of the earth. Uh, Bird and Bennett are both awarded the U.S. Congressional Medal of Honor and are acclaimed as national heroes for this journey. However, uh, some do doubt that their plane actually reached the North Pole. One of Bird's early associates, Bernd Balkin, uh, Balchin, even claimed after Bird's death that the flight to the North Pole had been a hoax. The discovery in 1996 of the diary that Bird had kept on his famous flight shed new light on this question. 
His diary entry suggests that the airplane was still about 150 miles short of the North Pole, about 240 kilometers short when Byrd decided to turn back because of concern over that oil leak. So he didn't quite make it to the pole, but he did make it close enough to, you know, see if there was a massive hollow earth entrance there or not. And there wasn't. Uh, three years later, on November 28th, 1929, uh, an expedition led by Byrd heads to the South Pole. Once again, he does not find a, a hole. Uh, he would travel again to Antarctica uh, in 1946, 1947, 1955, uh, 1956, before dying in 1957 at the age of 68. And he would never find holes, never find those pole holes. But conspiracies around his journey have sprung up in recent years to make it seem like he did. Hollow earthers like to cite a different lost diary they claim belonged to Byrd. According to Byrd's other diary, the government ordered Byrd to remain silent for what he witnessed during his Arctic assignment. In this lost diary, by lost, I mean made up, uh, Byrd allegedly tells of entering the hollow interior of the earth uh, along with other travelers. He talks about traveling 17 miles over mountains, lakes, rivers, green vegetation, animal life. He tells of seeing tremendous animals resembling mammoths uh, moving through the brush. He he eventually finds some cities. He finds a thriving civilization. He says that the uh, temperature is six, 74 degrees Fahrenheit. It's, per- it's perfect. It's utopia. His airplane is greeted by flying machines of a type he's never seen before. They escort him to a safe landing area where he's graciously greeted by emissaries from, you guessed it, Agartha. After resting, he and his crew are taken to meet the king and queen of Agartha. They tell Bird that he'd been allowed to enter Agartha because of his high moral and ethical character. Nice. In his false diary, the king tells him the following. Our interest rightly begins just after your race exploded the first atomic bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan. It was that alarming time we sent our flying machines, the Flugelrads, I swear to God, the Flugelrads, okay, to your surface world to investigate what your race had done. You see, we have never interfered before in your race's wars and barbarity, but now we must, for you have learned to tamper with a certain power that is not for your man, mainly that of atomic energy. Our emissaries have already delivered messages to the power of your world, and yet they do not heed. According to the king, places such as Tibet, the Great Pyramid of uh, Giza, North Pole, all have tunnels leading to Agartha. And, and of course, of course, none of that happened. I... I <laughs> I love that they're like, we've, we've decided not to interfere before, but now we must take action. And we meant, we, we've left our internal home and we met with your leaders and they were like, shut the fuck up, get out of here. And we were like, okay. And we, and we came back here and we're, we're pretty annoyed about it. And there you go. It's a bunch of gibberish. Uh, who wrote Richard Byrd's fake diary? Uh, I have no idea. No one's been able to figure that out. Uh, no serious source treats it as truth. <laughs> and no no one else from any of his expeditions, his many expeditions, uh, ever mentioned anything about finding a giant hole that leads to the center of the earth. Ah, oh, man. No one's better, though, at descending into hidden holes than Dick Bird in a lot of people's minds. Uh, the hollow earth theory would find a lot of supporters in Nazi Germany in the late 30s, early and mid 40s. It was everything the Nazis loved. Bogus science, mysticism that proved they were the most superior beings on the planet. Bogus science experiments that needed a large bureaucracy to be carried out. The Thule Society. Uh, some meetings of which were attended by Adolf Hitler reports much about Tibetan myths of openings into the earth, of giants, Aryan giants living down there. Uh, Henrik Himmler, his personal occultist psychic, Karl Maria Villigat, right? They were all about that shit, if you remember from the, from the uh, Nazi search for the Holy Grail suck. Karl, did, did the Aryans talk of, of the soul giants in the sides of the earth? They did? That's so, that's what I thought. I knew that this Dan Bummons me out Cummins was just a filthy liar. 
He has blue eyes, but he's quite dark and smart. He doesn't look pure, don't you think? Uh, there's even a theory, maybe just a conspiracy, that Hitler ordered a research, uh, a research journey for such an opening in our Antarctica. Arctica. Uh, based on a speech of Admiral Donitz in front of a German submarine in 1944 when he claimed the German submarine fleet is proud of having built an invisible fortification for the Fuhrer anywhere in the world. During the Nuremberg trials, Donitz spoke of an invisible fortification in midst of the eternal ice. Okay. According to this theory, Hitler and his followers wanted to create a race of Aryan super soldiers to rule the world, combining a belief in social Darwinism, eugenics, mythical origins of the Germanic people, hollow earth theory, other crazy ideas, they believe this place, uh, you know, to do this was underground. Another legend claims that Hitler and his chief advisors escaped the last days of the Third Reich by going through an opening in the South Pole uh, into the Earth's interior. According to the Hollow Earth Research Society in Ontario, Canada, Hitler and his buddies, they're still down there and they're, and they're just fine. You make it to the Hollow Earth and you get to be God people and you get to be immortal. Okay. 1943 would be an important year for Hollow Earth theory and supporters. It was the year one of the most controversial tales of inner earth dwellers began, the so-called Shaver mystery. This is my favorite part of the timeline. A little backstory on Richard Shaver. Dick Shaver. We got Dick Johnson, we got Dick Bird, we got Dick Shaver. So much dick in this suck. Uh, dick Shaver would be the main player in this very tall tale. Born in Berwick, Pennsylvania in 1907, he married fellow art student Sophie uh, Gervinovich in 1933. The couple has a daughter that same year. Uh, during the Depression, Shaver finds work as a welder in an automobile factory, and he goes a little bananas in 1934. He starts to think that the welding guns uh, at his job are allowing him to hear the thoughts of the men working around him. <laughs> that if that isn't enough, he thinks he receives a telepathic record of a torture session conducted by malevolent entities living in the hollow earth. And then his wife has him put in a mental hospital. Of course she does. Uh, decades later, Shaver claims that his stay at this hospital was merely due to shock from a case of heat stroke at work. He's only there for two weeks, he says. But his biographer, Jim Por uh, Popst, uh, found evidence that Shaver spent a, a much longer, longer time at the hospital. Uh, a few years later, 1936, the magazine Science World runs an article by Albert F. Yeager in which he argues that six letters of the alphabet represent concepts as well as sounds. The article catches the not mentally stable at all Shaver's attention, and he sends a letter to the magazine claiming that he knows what the hidden meanings of all 26 letters of the alphabet are. Shaver calls this alphabet of concepts Mantong and claims that it is the oldest language in the world. In Mantong, according to Dick Shaver's theory, the letter A represents the concept of the animal. B means simply B. Okay. Uh, C means C, like vision. D is one of the most important letters in the Shaver alphabet, and it stands for detrimental and represents everything that is negative in the world. So that's why I'm a skeptical fun killer. My name starts with detrimental. Uh, its opposite is T for integration, which represents positivity, and there's other stupid shit assigned to every fucking letter of the alphabet. Uh, Shaver claims that using this alphabet, real definitions can be found. For example, bad means be a D. <laughs> That is, to be bad is to be detrimental because it has, you know, the letter D in it. Uh, the word devil is a combination of D for detrimental and vile, morbid becomes more B-I-D. A phrase which Shaver claims means, I don't want to be anymore, I want to die. This is, <laughs> this is just gibberish. This is just gibberish from someone who spent recently a considerable amount of time in a mental institution for thinking his welding gun was allowing him to receive telepathic torture records from the hollow earth. In 1943, Shaver sends a letter outlining his linguistic theory, 
uh, somehow citing it as definitive proof of Atlantean legend to Ray Palmer's pulp fiction periodical Amazing Stories. We met Ray Palmer back in the Men in Black Suck. I think he popped up one of the Alien Sucks too. Prolific American publisher of Crazy Talk for many years. Palmer publishes Shaver's findings in the December 1943 issue of his magazine, according to Palmer, as written in his autobiography, The Secret World. Palmer writes back to Shaver asking how he had learned of Mantong. Shaver responds with an approximately 10,000-word document entitled A Warning to Future Man. This document's literally the ramblings of a madman, and it's also highly entertaining. In 1945, the article is printed in the form of a rewritten 31,000-word story called I Remember Lemuria. Yes, we're back to Lemuria. It's a big hit with readers. Reportedly, fan mail went from about 50 letters a month to 2,500. So people are fucking loving this. In Shaver's adapted story, he claims he had recently been the guest of a giant race called the Elder Race, or the Titans, an underground civilization that lives in caverns under the earth who communicate with him telepathically uh, and did so when he worked <laughs> at the factory. Uh, he believed that he'd been named Muton Mayan in a past life. He'd lived in these underground cities. The inhabitants of these caves, although human, originated in another solar system, right? We kind of touched on that before. Eventually, they decided to seek a new home on a new planet, evacuating the earth, leaving behind their underground cities, which were populated by artificial beings, the evil Dero, who were detrimental robots, right? Because their name starts with D, you get it. And the good Tiro, name starts with T, so it's positive, who were integrated helpful robots. Shaver claims to have met the Tiro. According to Shaver, the Dero lived underground, still using their machines to torment humans living on the surface. Shaver claimed that he himself had been tortured by their voices. Right? The torture session put into his mind? Fucking Deros. <laughs> Avi. No way those thoughts were just the product of, an, of untreated schizophrenia. Uh, thousands of readers then wrote to the magazine to confirm that they too had heard fiendish voices from inside the earth. Or so Palmer claimed. He probably made that up. From 1945 to 1948, about 75% of the issues of Amazing Stories featured Shaver mystery content. Palmer encouraged Shaver to share more and more of his truth. Write down more and more of his literal insanity. And Palmer just kept printing it and printing it to the near exclusion of any other topic at times. Then in 1948, Amazing Stories ceases all publication of Shaver stories. Palmer would later claim the magazine was pressured by sinister outside forces, Illuminati, to make the change. Uh, the magazine's owners would later say that the Shaver mystery had just run its course and sales were dropping because people were fucking tired of hearing about it. Uh, although few really believe this story, many suspected that Shaver was very mentally ill. Uh, Shaver, not surprisingly, always maintained that his story was true. Of course he did. Severely mentally ill, untreated people suffering from insane delusions don't generally think their delusions are insane. If they did, their delusions wouldn't be delusions. They would just be unwanted, annoying, intrusive thoughts they knew were nonsense. So another wackadoodle chapter of the Book of Hollow Earth is written uh, through the really not credible rantings of Richard Shaver. Dick Shaver. Dick Shaver. Dick Bird. Dick Johnson. Ah. You know, let's take a quick break. Away from all the all the dick in this suck, uh, with with a one final sponsor. Today's time suck is brought to you by Emmanuel David's House of God and Socks. This week only, we're having a Hollow Earth blowout sale, fifty percent off. So many new types of specialty Hollow Earth style socks. We have Lemurian socks, Chimera socks, Snake People socks, Theosophical socks, Agarthan socks, Shangri-La socks, Time socks, Lizard People socks, Ancient Tibetan Elder socks. What we don't have are Illuminati Hide the Real Hollow Truth Liar socks. Get behind me, Satan! 50% off 
We do have Dero socks, Tiro socks, robot socks, tiny sun socks, and people socks, telepathic transmission socks, torture session socks, Myco socks. What the fuck am I talking about? Socks. So many socks. We're guarantee we will knock your socks off. <laughs> and then we'll probably sell you a new pair of socks. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. I just, uh, I needed a break from that crazy. I need to go even crazier to recalibrate my brain to fucking handle more of the hollow earth craziness. Ah, okay. Uh, 1959, U.S. submarine, as uh, U.S. submarine journeys beneath the polar ice cap surfaces at the North Pole based on precise calculations. We finally make it to the North Pole. Uh, and you know what? It didn't even fall into a hole. Uh, <laughs> at least that's what they want you to believe, sheeple. I'll believe it when I hear it from QAnon. Uh, 1964, a book by a Dr. Raymond Bernard, a pen name for a mystical leader named Walter Siegmeister called The Hollow Earth, The Greatest Geographical Discovery in History, made by Admiral Richard E. Byrd in The Mysterious Land Beyond the Poles. That's a fucking long-ass title. Argues that UFOs come from inside the Earth. Bernard tells supposedly true stories about people who have allegedly entered this inner Earth and what has happened to them. He mentions a photograph published in 1960 in the Globe and Mail in Toronto, Canada that shows a beautiful valley with lush hills. A uh, photo he claims was taken by a pilot flying into the Hollow Earth. Seems legit. In his Letters from Nowhere, a collection of letters Bernard wrote published years after his death in 1992, he claims to have been in contact with great mystics and secret, you know, uh, uh, places under the earth. He's talking to the Grand Lamas and, and various folk. He, he seems to have accepted every legend ever associated with the hollow earth idea. He believes that uh, Eskimos originated uh, within the earth, uh, that uh, Inuits, I think actually, sorry, is the proper term, uh, advanced uh, civilization dwells within the earth now. There's there's UFOs coming back and forth from the hollow earth to the you know, earth's surface. Bernard accepts without question all the crazy claims of Dick Shaver. Uh, ufology and hollow earth would continue to intersect in weird ways in 1974. That year, Lepore Trench, whose full name was William Francis Brinsley Lepore Trench, 8th Earl of Clancarty, 7th Marquess of Hudson, publishes The Secret of the Ages, UFOs from Inside the Earth. Weird that this guy with all these titles would even uh, get into ufology to begin with. From 1956 to 1959, Clancarty edits the Flying Saucer Review. He founds the International Unidentified Object Observer Corps. 1975, he succeeds to the earldom on the death of his half-brother, giving him a seat in British Parliament. Uses his new position to found a UFO study group at the House of Lords. He introduces the Flying Saucer Review to its library. Pushes to declassify UFO data. In Secret of the Ages... Trench argues uh, that the interior of the Earth consists of large tunnel systems connecting a large cavern world. <laughs> uh, Trench also believes that the lost continent of Atlantis once existed and that the tunnels were probably constructed all over the world by the Atlanteans for various purposes. Like, this guy's in the House of Lords when he's talking about this. Like others, he uh, said that the entrances to the interior were located at both the North and South Polar areas instead of a North Pole. He thinks there's a large area with the warm sea that dips gradually into the interior of the Earth. So there's some kind of water near the North Pole. Not a big obvious hole. It's just like some water. If you find out it's warm and you swim down, that's that's how you get in, in the hollow Earth. And he's talking about the stuff in the 70s, in the 1970s, not the 1570s. He was as nutty as Dick Shaver. Uh, Trench also suggested that a large proportion of unidentified flying objects come from the Earth's interior. These objects likely to have been created by a group much more technically advanced than we are. Similar to humans, but not humans. They have extrasensory abilities. Uh, they can manipulate psychic phenomena. They may be Lemurians. One of Trench's early books had actually disagreed with the hollow earth theory, but then Trench later walked that back saying he was basically tricked by receiving a traditional education into believing the earth was 
not hollow. He was brainwashed into believing the earth was solid. Now he knows the truth. Fucking scientists always trying to trick us. You know, you know, because they're tricksters. And if they can trick us into believing the earth is not hollow, uh, you know, I, I, they, I don't know. I'm not sure what the motivation is. Uh, conspiracy theorists never do a good job of selling that part of it. Uh, right? What, what is the motivation again? Always vague concepts of control and enslavement. Uh, 1975, Michael Grumley, a cryptozoologist, takes the UFO theory a step further, argues in his book, There Are Giants in the Earth, that Bigfoot and other cryptids uh, come from hollow earth. <laughs> Boom! Even Bigfoot's part of hollow earth. Poor old Bigfoot. No wonder he's so good at hiding. He's been hiding from all those fucking snake folk for centuries. Trying not to get killed by those cobra people. In 1988, uh, big-time ding-dong, David Hatcher Childress uh, authors The Lost Continents and the Hollow Earth, in which he reprints the Dick Shaver stories. They're just not going away. Uh, he defends the hollow earth idea based on an alleged tunnel system beneath South America and Central Asia. Uh, for you space lizards listening to Time Suck right now, you may remember the name David Hatcher Childress from The Secret Suck. One of our favorite wackadoodles, one of my favorite quotes. Giant stone balls. Ah, oh, he's a nut. Uh, in 2005, an explorer and outdoor tour adventure guide named Stephen Curry plans an expedition to the North Pole to find the opening to the inner earth. Right? It's 2005. People are still trying to figure it out. People who wanted to take him up on it uh, to help him out had to pay a deposit of uh, around $20,000, and they, they don't do that. Fun to talk about hollow earth theory. Not, not as fun to invest in it. 2005 trip never happens. Then another hollow earther named Brooks Agnew takes over as leader after Curry's death in 2006. He plans on taking 100 scientists and filmmakers to the Arctic opening in 2009, and that fucking never happened because no one, no one wanted to pay for it. Will the scientists stop at nothing to suppress the real truth? And no big hollow earth developments have happened since. So let's, uh, let's hop on out of this in, insane timeline. Good job, soldier. You've made it back. Barely. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> what a journey. Uh, obviously, unless you believe in the unlimited power of magical trickery, there are no giant hollow earth holes at the North and South Poles. Could there be other holes, though? One big aspect of hollow earth theory is that in order for there to be a hollow earth, there have to be multiple entrances from the surface to access the interior. Believers have come up with all kinds of theories about where these entrances might be. Other than the North and South Poles, uh, there are smaller supposed entrances and locations, such as Paris, France, Staffordshire, England, Montreal, Canada, a few places in China, a few places in the Amazon rainforest, uh, the Great Pyramid in Egypt, the Bermuda Triangle, Himalayan entrances in Tibet and India, the Cueva de los Tayos in Ecuador, the Gobi Desert in Mongolia, Mammoth Cave in Kentucky, all kinds of other locations. So many hollow earth tunnels. It's amazing that the surface of the earth has not been overrun by the snake folk or the lizard people. Because some people also believe that these tunnels are infested with the lizard Illuminati. And that they live also in the hollow earth. Damn you, lizard Illuminati and your tunnel concealing black magic. Uh, so with modern technology and GPS available, is it possible that this technology has somehow missed some of these giant holes in the earth? Uh, maybe. Technically, it's possible. Most of the earth's surface has been mapped and photographed and or explored, but uh, only 20% of the seafloor has been properly mapped. Uh, you know, in some polar regions and parts of Central and South America remain to be, you know, completely mapped. Uh, technically, there could be tunnels. I guess we haven't found yet some small ones. Uh, even if these holes exist, though, the earth still can't be hollow because of what we talked about in the edits of the internet, because of geology, right? Because of gravity. Because the gravity wouldn't be uh, the same if the earth was hollow. Because the sun can't exist inside a hollow earth without fucking obliterate, without cooking us. 
right? And again, where does the where does the hollow earth sun set? I could I searched for that so much. I, I have the most ridiculous search history from this past week. Just stuff like, how does the sun set inside the hollow earth? Uh, most hollow earthers seem to think it doesn't. They just think that the uh, uh, there's always daylight down there. Some some of them, I guess, think that the sun somehow sneaks out of the north or south pole, and then we just don't notice. I guess that sometimes we have two suns because of magic. Uh, so many things. I feel kind of insane after all this. Do you feel insane? Uh, I, I don't feel like a welding gun could be sending me telepathic messages insane, but close. Let's try and recap this madness. Modern hollow earth theory has been built on the back of religious beliefs from a few thousand years ago, uh, on a few educated people's speculations from a few hundred years ago, and mostly science fiction lies and literal insanity ever since. According to the many tales of a hollow earth, the inhabitants may include uh, giants, Nazis, uh, hermaphroditic dwarfs, ant people, Bigfoots, uh, enlightened masters, snake people, Aryans, lizard people, the Mirans, uh, other various godlike entities, of course, the Agarthans. Time and time again over the past few hundred years, more and more conclusively in the past few decades, science has proven hollow earth theory to be utter nonsense. Yet, people still believe. Because who cares about science if you don't have enough education to understand that it is real? We gotta, we gotta get that college thing figured out. Let's recap the silliness in today's top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Number one, the earth is not hollow. Get the fuck out of here. Number two, where does the sun set inside the hollow earth? Anyone? Does anyone have a decent answer for that? Number three, many cultures around the world have some sort of subterranean myth as part of their religion, including many indigenous religions that uh, continue to be practiced in some form to this day. Number four, cult, cult, cult. Cyrus Teed claimed to have received a vision from a beautiful woman that told him the secrets of the universe and that he was Jesus uh, and uh, that, you know, uh, the hollow earth is real after he shocked the shit out of himself trying to turn not gold into gold. He believed <laughs> uh, all of the stuff, you know, for the rest of his life after he was done being shocked, he, you know, turned his theory of the universe, this cellular cosmogony into uh, a religion, essentially. And a lot of people were like, yeah, okay, makes sense. I like it. Number five, something new. What about hollow moon theory? Can't have a hollow earth without a hollow moon to go with it, right? Uh, you're damn right. There are hollow moon believers. And like hollow earth believers, they don't all agree on how or why the earth, or excuse me, the moon this time is hollow. One hollow moon theory, the spaceship moon theory, proposes that the moon was originally a piece of the earth's crust that broke off after it was struck by a massive Mars-sized object and remains in our orbit. Uh, what does that have to do with it being hollow? Uh, I'm not sure. It doesn't really explain that part. Others believe the moon is artificially created or is uh, otherwise just not a real moon. In 1970, Michael Vassin, Alexander uh, Sherbakov uh, of what was then the Soviet Academy of Sciences advanced the hypothesis that the moon is a spaceship created by unknown beings. UFO researcher J.P. Robinson says the fact that the moon rings like a bell or gong when struck means it must be hollow and therefore artificially constructed despite being coated in rock. Uh, we talked about this in the moon landing conspiracy suck. Why does the moon ring? Because, hello, aliens live inside, the ones that made it, or because of a lack of water. Uh, there's moisture in the materials that make up our planet, expanding their structure. As energy from an earthquake moves through our planet, that damp material acts like a sponge, absorbing the energy of the waves, ultimately deadening their effects. But the moon is a dry, cool, rigid place, uh, much more like a solid rock than a sponge. So even if a moonquake is less intense, there's nothing to deaden the vibrations. They just go back and forth through the body until the solid stone eventually stops them. That ringing bell sound is the shock waves 
reverberating through that dry stone, if you believe in science. Another supporter of a hollow moon theory is conspiracy theory king David Icke. Icke thinks that uh, reptilians, ancient extraterrestrial reptilians built the moon, turned it into a mind control base uh, used to manipulate virtual reality frequencies beamed to us through the sun's waves. And if we could just destroy the hollow Death Star moon, we can finally all be happy Right? We can be living in the proper matrix, not in the moon matrix. <laughs> no more war or famine. No more strife that literally feeds the shape-shifting evil lizard Anunnaki people that live inside the hollow earth. Wake up! Seriously, that's what he fucking believes. He's that fucking crazy. And he's getting more popular by the day. Yay, magic! Time suck. Top five takeaways. The hollow earth theory <laughs> has been sucked. Our world is not hollow, but it is certainly filled with people uh, who have some uh, pretty strange beliefs. Now I feel like I need to watch a football game. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe a basketball game. Talk about the weather with my neighbor or something. Something normal and boring so I can recalibrate my currently warped and bent mind. It's just too much crazy. I read about so much crazy this week. It just, I just, I get so frustrated because I just, I want to make sense of it so badly. I, like I, I kept, I searched so much. I found so much information that I didn't use this week. Because I, I just kept hoping, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, the, the, something has to explain it. Something has to uh, uh, really, you know, uh, explain this hollow moon theory hypothesis in a very coherent manner. Nope. And, and then I go to these YouTube videos, so many more than I, you know, than just the one I showed today and just would read these comments. And these people that leave these comments, they seem so sure of themselves. They act like it makes perfect sense to them. And there's no fucking way it makes perfect sense because it's crazy talk. So there's all these people just hearing utter gibberish going, ha yeah, okay, <laughs> I like it. And those people vote and raise kids and it frustrates me. But, you know, it is entertaining. <laughs> I hope it's entertaining for you. Uh, thank you to the Bad Magic Productions team for uh, all the help in making Time Suck. Uh, for reminding us this week why education is so fucking important. Uh, Queen of Bad Magic, Lindsay Cummins, Reverend Dr. Joe Paisley, the script keeper, Zach Flannery, Sophie Fact Sorceress Evans, Bit Elixir, Logan and Kate Keith, the Art Warlock, and the Bad Magic Baroness, running badmagicmerch.com and the socials. Thanks to all of those who have joined the Cult of the Curious private Facebook group who make it a community, who help each other, especially during a very stressful year. Hail Nimrod to all of you. Thank you to Liz Hernandez and her all-seeing eyes who run the Cult of the Curious Facebook page. And thanks to the wonderful weirdos having fun on Discord. Uh, congrats to round three trivia champion, Chase Gallagher. Enjoy that cowboy pigeon trophy, dude. You've earned it, Space Lizard. Uh, round four has begun. Next week, uh, we're going to keep it weird. Not as weird as this week, uh, but pretty weird. And we're going to go a bit darker as we return to both true crime and Russia. The Space Lizards voted for a suck on a little old, uh, little old Russian granny. Her name is Tamara Samsonova. She's from St. Petersburg. And of the many nicknames she's been given, the Granny Ripper is the, is the one that seems to have stuck in the Western world. In Russia, she is known primarily as Babuska Yaga, a twist on the terrifying folklore character of Baba Yaga. Uh, Babuska means old lady, you know, granny in Russian. Uh, it's claimed by many that this monster in a president of a knitting club's body is responsible for over a dozen murders. And she didn't just push fellow blue hairs down the stairs. Uh, brutal murders that include dismemberment, reports of cannibalism. She even detailed some of these horrific crimes in her diary. Uh, there's a black magic element to this story as well. She may be one of the worst grandmas of all time. Uh, for that suck, since we couldn't find much info about her on the web in English, we tracked down several dozen Russian articles, translated them, spent so much time on Russia's version uh, of Google, we're probably on yet another watch list. 
We found that a lot of the information we have in the West on the Granny Ripper is questionable at best. Local law enforcement uh, in, in Russia, not sure on uh, you know whether or not she is the living embodiment of the Baba Yaga. Uh, she for sure murdered a few people, but the Russian media definitely ran with this story, created a uh, sadistic sensation. What's true? What is Russian rumor in this case? Did she really kill a bunch of folks for Satan and eat them for dinner? Uh, tune in next week to find out what we found. And now let's head on over to this week's Time Sucker Updates. Updates. Get your time sucker updates. Our first update, little connection to last week's Boston Strangler Suck, coming in from a marvelous meat sack, Barb Allen. Barb writes, at home making a homemade mask for Halloween, listening to the Boston Strangler episode. My parents were attending Boston University and living on Commonwealth Avenue during his reign of terror. My parents, living in sin at the time, lived above a restaurant and would get stoned and get takeout from the place below. They also had a habit of scaring each other for fun, hiding and jumping out and whatnot. Then the Strangler kept attacking and they discontinued playing that game. Just an interesting and fun story from my mom. Love the pod. Hail Nimrod and happy Halloween. Well, happy Halloween to you, Barb. Love your parents. They sound like so much fun. I'm such an asshole. If I was your dad, I probably would have scared your mom one or maybe two or three more times, like during the height of the Strangler fear. Uh, My God, he must have really scared the shit out of her uh, before he stopped doing that, your dad. Uh, glad your mom never met the real Strangler. Uh, next update comes from Caring Sucker, Jeremy Schwab. Jeremy writes, Dan, I've got a favor to ask. My girlfriend is, I don't want to say obsessed, but she's obsessed with you. All right. Okay, Jeremy, I see what you're driving at. Read you loud and clear. Yes, I will sleep with her. Hey, Lucifina. Oh, uh, wait. No, he keeps writing. He's, he says, I uh, introduced her to your comedy a few years ago, and now she listens to every single one of your podcasts, has got me into them as well. She's heard just about everything you've got is a huge fan. Currently, she's been very stressed out with college and with life. I was wondering if it was possible for you to say a quick hello to her in one of your next podcasts during your Time Sucker updates. Her name is Tori, and I know it would mean the world to her and would hopefully provide a bit of relief for her. Thank you, Master Sucker. Best regards, Jeremy. Well, hello, Tori. Uh, Keep grinding away. You know, just keep grinding away. Odds are strong in your favor that things will get a lot better. Uh, And give yourself some time to breathe here and there. Right? Even, even if you don't have much time, just take some little moments to enjoy just being alive. Feel that sun hit your face. Enjoy the fall beauty of some leaves changing color. Just, you know, a minute, two minutes, five minutes here and there. Just <sighs> nice deep breath. Focus on a little moment of peace and joy and fuck to, you know, 2020. It'll, it'll be over soon. Keep on sucking and hail Nimrod to both of you. Uh, next up, a funny message from Mama Meat Sack, Kyla Mills, who writes... Dear Master Sucker, uh, listen, fucker. Aggressive, I like it. Your podcast has completely taken over our lives. My husband and I are peacefully sitting down, going over some spelling words with our daughter, who is six. I'm reading off the words. The word that happens to come up next is mother. Before I can finish saying it, my husband Derek says in his best Kemper impression, mother. Obviously, we both start to laugh like hyenas. Our six-year-old daughter has no idea what is going on. Uh, Then he continues to carry on about his apples. So thank you for weaseling your way into every part of our lives. Your loyal space lizard and fellow mushmouth, Kyla. Kyla, not fucking Kayla. Got it. Uh, (laughs) P.S. If I can make the updates, can you please uh, have, uh, give my husband, Ed, a shout out? Well, yes, I can. Hello, Ed. If Kyla gives you too much shit, put her head on a stick. and Don't let her get your apples too loud. Uh, Don't do that. Please don't do that. Uh, so glad you both enjoy Time Suck. Uh, cherish every moment you have with that with that little kid of yours. So fun. Six, six years old. That's a, that's a fun age. Uh, next up, sweet sucker Renee Avalsgard shares a peek into what seems like a great relationship she has. She writes, 
for my space lizard soulmate. Hello, Mr. Master Sucker. I wanted to reach out and tell you about my amazing husband, Mike, who introduced me to your podcast and stand up. He was a fan of yours before when he started working as a driving, uh, driving, uh, got a driving job. He got hooked onto your podcast. Then the bastard would come home spouting off weird things like, what this big deal? Or showbiz. Then STD started. He talked about how he loved listening to you and Lindsay. It reminded him of us. Me being a crystal loving hippie, a uh, hippie witch, <laughs> and him being a skeptical, cynical asshole. Fair. That, that's fair. That's accurate. Uh, we were on a road trip and being stuck in the car, he turned on STD. I fell in love. Then I started on Time Suck so I could understand the things he was referring to. Albert Fish was my first episode, dot, dot, dot. Uh, needless to say, I'm hooked. We watch STD together and talk about the newest episode of Time Suck every week. He even cursed your name when I told him I bought some ritual vitamins from your ad. That's awesome. I bet you guys are going to have a lot to talk about with this Hollow Earth stuff. Please send an update to anyone who's listening. If you know somebody who believes in the Hollow Earth, can they make sense of it better than anything I found? My brain is still spinning. Uh, anyways, his birthday is October 28th. He's finally taken time off for himself this year. He's so hardworking for me and our son, and I am forever so lucky to have this amazing man in my life. Thanks for all the laughs and giving us something to enjoy together. And thanks to the Bad Magic team for all the behind-the-scenes action. Yep, there is a lot of work that goes on uh, from everybody here. You are all so appreciated. Uh, <laughs> um, though the wiffle? I don't know what that's supposed to correct. The wiffle of a faithful space, the wish maybe. The wish of a faithful space lizard, Renee Applesgard, like Applesgard, but with a V, help for your mush mouth. Well, thank you, Renee. I, I did, I do need the mush mouth help. And hail Mike Applesgard. Cool fucking name, by the way. Way better than Dick Bird or Dick Johnson or Dick Shaver. Your name sounds powerful. I'm picturing you with a Viking helmet and holding a war hammer. Uh, glad you two get a lot of our silliness. Enjoy it. It uh, means a lot to uh, hear that. I hope you have a, a wonderful Halloween. Such a fun holiday. Such a great excuse just to go ape shit on some sugar, right? I feel like somehow when you eat a lot of the little candy bars, it, it feels like less sugar than a few of the regular size candy bars, even if it's like two or three times as much. Uh, keep on sucking, you two. Now for the first of two final messages. Uh, both pretty serious. This first one of the last two, definitely heavy. Uh, so just a little, little gear shift here. Herding meat sack, Adam Zaleski, uh, needs our reassurance. He writes, Dan, please read this. It's a post I made for the Facebook page, but I don't know if it will go through. I could really use your advice. Here's the post. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Use the advice, not just of my, uh, but also from the cult. So he addressed this to the cult. Hey, Colt, I've got a question for you that's been rattling around in my mind. Now, here's a quick TLDR. I'm, I'm so old, I had to look that up. It's too long, didn't read. Uh, if you don't want to read all of this, but I was best friends with a person who turned out to be a pedophile, and I'm not sure how to deal with the memories and such. Now to the story. I became really close friends with the guy when I moved to my new town. He was the first real friend I had after a bad breakup. It was nice to be accepted. As someone who has always had low self-esteem and depression, the fact that I could be myself with this guy, he didn't judge me, was awesome. We became as close as family. Maybe more so because I treated him better than some family. He left his wife and I gave him a place to stay rent-free. At that point, we had a bunch of great times. I made memories that I still laugh about. Whether it's playing games or eating certain food, I think about those times. He lived with me for two years as he rebuilt his relationship with his wife. He then moved back with her right before my wedding he was one of my groomsmen. The man is forever in my wedding photos. About six months after the wedding, his wife calls me saying he's run off again. I wasn't shocked because he was always on the fence about going back. I waited to see if he would show back up at my place. He didn't. And here is your trigger warning. Get out now if you don't want to hear more. I got a visit from the police. A detective showed up looking for him. Uh, he had told me that he had an old felony, but it was just for theft. But the detective said it was for 
child rape. They were looking at him for raping another child now, his stepdaughter. He'd been raping her before leaving his wife. When he went back to her, he started up again. She finally told her mother when she became pregnant. He was trying to force her into getting an abortion. He ran because he was a monster. Thankfully, he was caught, and he is spending the rest of his disgusting life in prison now. I've been struggling with dealing with this because I stood up for this man before learning all of this. I encouraged him to try to make his marriage work. I sent him back to his poor baby girl more. I have fond and happy memories of barbecues, gaming, laughing, road trips, all with a fucking monster. I told him before he went back that I that he uh, that uh, he wanted to have the kids at the house because he said he still wanted to be a good dad to spend time with him. Did he rape her in my house? Cult, what do I do? It's been a year or so since this happened. I don't know how to deal with the guilt. There's a longer story, but I've said the key points here. Please let me know what you think. If you want to look into it, you can see how the name Brandon Daly on the, you can find the name Brandon Daly on the iFiber news site. Thanks for your time. Whew. Yes, Adam, I, I put the link to this article about this piece of shit in the show notes. If anyone else is curious, yeah, 20 years to life, minimum of 20 years from what I read, no possibility of parole, hopefully longer than that based on prior offenses. I mean, I, I wish they could just take him out behind the president and put a fucking bullet in his head. Uh, first off, none of what he did is your fault at all. Sexual predators, as we've learned over and over on Time Suck, are master manipulators. Think about all the serial killers uh, we've gone over. Loving fathers, devoted husbands, some of them who also tortured and killed for decades in some cases before being caught. And oftentimes their families completely blindsided. Families they were very involved with. These people are experts at compartmentalization. They know how to hide their evil side very, very well. And monsters, uh, you know, they're not often monsters in every aspect of their life. They can be great friends. They can be great coworkers, great partners, great husbands, and also rapists, murderers, pedophiles, what have you. Uh, second, be sure to get some counseling for this. You need more than the cult. Uh, I recommend starting with betterhelp.com if you can afford it, if you can do it from home. Seven Cups, the number seven, C-U-P-S.com is another good one, as is uh, psychcentralforums.com. In the show notes are all these links. Talk to someone much more adept at dealing with this sort of thing than I am. Uh, I, mean, I, ho I hope the members of the cult do contact you. You did nothing wrong. This motherfucker could have done the same thing to anyone. If they weren't really good at hiding, we'd catch them a lot quicker than we often do, right? There wouldn't be that many serial rapists. There wouldn't be that many serial killers, because it'd be obvious that something was wrong with them and you would, you would get them right away. But that doesn't happen because they are master hiders. You sound like a really good dude, Adam. Uh, love you, man. Hail Nimrod and, and get that help and get it now. Last up, whole bunch of good stuff to think about coming in from borderline superhero sucker, Grace Abafi. Grace writes, dear suck nasty, king of the suck, tamer of Bojangles and Nimrod's plaything. Disclaimer, I'm not sorry for the long email because why would I be? If it's too long, don't read it. It's fair. What's up, dude? I've been a listener, uh, a listener of Time Suck for a little over a year now. I was introduced to it through the Rizzuto Show in St. Louis. I love those guys. My brother, sister-in-law, and mom are suckers as well. I'm in St. Louis. I'm a St. Louis native. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't say. I'm a St. Louis native, born and raised within 30 miles of the hospital I was born at. Love this city with my whole heart. I've almost written into the show a few times to put in my two cents. By the way, I had to Google if it was two cents or two cents. Yeah, that sounds like something I would do about different topics, but I haven't taken the time to do so until the suck episode of the 92 LA riots. Honestly, it took me a week to decide if I wanted to listen to that episode or not. As we all know, 2020 has been a shit show slash dumpster fire. Uh, fucking sure has. Uh, 
Uh, part of that has been because of the recent instances of police brutality resulting in the deaths of several black Americans, including Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Rayshard Brooks, Daniel Prude, 80 others in the first half of 2020. This email is not meant to flood you with my opinion, which does happen to be different than your own. I actually want to praise you for how well I think you did. You always do the best to remain factually impartial on controversial topics, and I greatly respect that. I've listened to your TEDx talk about how polarized the media is. I agree wholeheartedly. I've long searched for news outlets to do their best to remain impartial. They're hard to come by. I stick to NPR and CNN for most of my news. Uh, I would recommend maybe like uh, the BBC as well, Grace. Uh, uh, CNN, NPR, pretty strong liberal biases in my opinion. And that's coming from someone who, uh, you know, um, leans more liberal than conservative in a lot of lot of ways. Uh, Grace continues, not only do I think you did very well on remaining as fact-based as possible, but for being so upfront with recognizing your white privilege and the fact that you don't know what it's like to be black, nor what it's like to be a police officer. You repeated over and over again that you can only have your viewpoints as someone who has never experienced that world firsthand. I respect that. As I said, I disagree with your conclusions. Maybe that's because we live in different cities, have different political opinions overall. Diehard, bleeding heart, liberal social work major working in a very racially divided city here. But that also isn't really why I'm emailing you. I mentioned I'm from St. Louis, and if you don't already know, already know, we're one of the most racially divided cities in the country. This is a systemic, or there are systemic issues that go back to the founding of the city. I could bore you with the history and how we have low performing schools in the area due to low economic resources, low property value, segregation, et cetera. I have a feeling you may already know that. I know a little. Uh, I learned so much in the Josephine Baker suck a while back. Uh, still one of my favorites, by the way. I said earlier that I'm a social work student, currently finishing up my bachelor's degree in social work at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. My school is nestled right next to the city of Ferguson, made famous a few years ago after the Michael Brown shooting riots followed. I'm in my last year of school, started my practicum, like an internship, but for college credit in August. My practicum site is a nonprofit organization called Girls in the Know. I'm going to provide a link to their website at the bottom. Attach a flyer that tells you more about this organization. Essentially, they provide a virtual four-week workshop done in one-hour weekly sessions geared towards empowering and educating preteen girls about safety, puberty, conflict resolution, body image, suicide prevention, healthy friendships, and so much more. The most common thing I'm asked lately is, why do you want to be a social worker? The hours suck. The pay is notoriously crap. You're overworked, underappreciated. None of that matters to me, though. I want to be someone that I didn't have when I was younger. For the longest time, I thought that meant being a mental health counselor of some kind, maybe working as a licensed therapist, maybe at a mental health hospital. But doing this practicum, I realized I've already reached my goal. When I was a preteen, I didn't have someone who told me about periods, when I would get pubic hair, how to put a tampon in, how to handle it if someone gives me inappropriate attention, what to do about bullies or mean girls. These workshops do exactly that. Again, I'll let you go to the website and read more material about the organization, but I truly believe these workshops make a definite difference in the lives of girls who need it. There's such a racial equity divide in St. Louis that has only become more apparent due to the effects of COVID. Young girls, particularly young black girls in St. Louis, feel isolated, alone, and helpless oftentimes. They need to know they're still connected and have someone who can, they can turn to. Now to my main point. I'm hoping and praying to Nimrod that you will promote this organization through your social media or in the Time Sucker updates. Done. My dream is that you'll make a monthly space lizard donation to Girls in the Know, but I understand that may not be an option. The workshops do have a cost. There are payment options. You can apply for a scholarship to potentially get a spot for free. I wouldn't be reaching out to you if I didn't believe in this cause. Honestly, I've thought about Lindsay and Monroe joining one of the sessions. I have uh, forwarded your message to Lindsay, so you know. Uh, we have an option for girls to attend with their trusted adults. I hope at the very least you take a look at the Girls in the Know website, pass around the information to your family. If anything, you're learning about a great cause. At this point, I am a bit sorry about the length, but fuck it. <laughs> Thanks for reading, and as always, hail Nimrod. 
girlsinthenow.org. Much love from a loyal space. Those are Grace Abafi. Well, Grace, what a fucking wonderful, well-thought-out, well-written message. I was supposed to be a social worker. At one point in my life, I was on that path for about a year after college. I could not hack it, didn't have the stomach for it. I know I don't show it often, but Lindsay knows I'm a huge baby, very sensitive, uh, fairly prone to depression, and it was just too much for me. Uh, you're going to be an amazing social worker. You're going you're to be a fucking game changer for a lot of people's lives. And your email really touched me. So in addition to mentioning your charity, uh, we're donating. <laughs> Man, it got me. I thought I was going to hold it together. Uh, we're donating $7,200 to girlsinthenow.org. So hail fucking Nimrod, Grace. Keep fighting the good fight and keep on sucking. Thanks, time suckers. I needed that. We all did. That's all for this week, Meat Sacks. I got, I got punched by Grace right in the fields at the end there. I thought I was going to keep my shit together. Uh, more scared to death on Tuesday night. More as we dumb on Wednesday. Please don't quit your job and dedicate your life to being a conduit. Uh, through which the underground Agarthans can speak to uh, lesser surf, uh, surface earthlings this week. Uh, keep fighting the good fight, a lot of you guys, and uh, and keep on sucking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. It's it's, uh, it's uh, allergies. I get um. Oh. It's uh, the Hollow Earth. I'm allergic to the. Uh, the Hollow Earth, and I just Probably the sunset inside the Hollow Earth. It gives it, the, it gives me the sniffles sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.